Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo. Skag 3, whoever he is. Get your quad fascist ass out of here! Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. You are a terrific team on all counts. Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement, this This is the Matt and Blonde Show. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international over the person. Hey, why the fuck is the gas so high, bitch? I believe in the sand beneath my toes. The beach gives a feeling and nothing feeling. I believe in the faith that grows and the bow I go to. The president likened what he called extreme MAGA philosophy to semi-fascism. What exactly is semi-fascism, Kareem? When you look at what Democrats are doing, lowering costs on prescription drugs, lowering the energy costs, standing up it, for women. And they are, Kareem, I want to get to all of those things. If you'll answer my question, we can get to those I things. I am. What exactly I am. is I, I'm semi-fascism? About Don, Don, I was just about to get to your question. Okay. I really was. I was very clear when laying out and defining what MAGA Republicans have done, and you look at the definition of fascism, what they're doing in, in attacking our democracy, what they're doing in taking away our freedoms, wanting to take away our rights, our voting rights. I mean, that is what that is. We're going to continue to fight for uh, freedom. We're going to continue to fight for people's rights. Uh, and uh, that is not, uh, uh, that is something that he takes very seriously. And that's what you heard from him. I doubt it. You are fake news. Shut up, bitch. Oh, oh, very fake news. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. All right, America, go to the YouTube right now. Big ups to Rebecca for keeping Matt woke. Congratulations to both of you. You're awesome. I can't do it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live. Hello and welcome to the show. It is a great show. It is a terrific show. It is a tremendous show. Frankly, the very best you can ask anyone about that. People often do. I'm told this is the Matt and Blonde Show. My name is Matt Christensen. I'm flanked on my right, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Blonde. Welcome. Hello. Third time's the charm. Here's hoping for a... uh, We did it! (laughs) I I think. The connection light is green. This this is the third attempt in three weeks at having a uh, perfect show start without any technical issues after uh, two consecutive weeks of problems. So, uh, I think we're in the clear, but I don't want to uh, count on that prematurely. Anyway, uh, plenty to talk about tonight, as always. Uh, turns out, remember, it was like uh, a few months ago, Ultra MAGA, the, the Democrat smear machine spent probably millions of dollars on consulting and branding, and they decided Ultra MAGA was the way they were going to go after their opposition. Uh, apparently that didn't work. Now they're rolling out uh, vote Democrat or you are an extreme MAGA semi-fascist. My immediate question, why only semi? <laughs> I, I guess they're leaving some room for all of us to become full-blown fascists when they need that come <laughs> Imagine October. thinking that fascist is a pejorative term. A bunch of <laughs> well, ultra MAGA became cool. Semi-fascist, yeah. maybe just fascism will become cool through their opposition to it. We're going to find out. Uh, they're also going with vote Democrat or die from global warming. The president tried that <laughs> one. Too. We're going to see which one works best. They're doing the market research. 
also, uh, the redacted affidavit for the search of Trump and Mar-a-Lago that was released on Friday. Emphasis on redacted. It is exactly what we expected. Not much useful. It looks like a damn zebra hide. Nothing but black and white stripes all over it. Little else. But we will take a look at it. Um, Team Biden, in addition to explaining what semi-fascism is, they're struggling to explain their plan to cancel billions of dollars in student debt for borrowers who, in many cases, earn well over the national median income for personal income or household income. What is is, the national median income right now? I was looking it up earlier. Personal is something in the neighborhood of 36,000. What? Household is about 67,000. And what did they say? 125,000? Yeah. So we're talking four times the amount of personal income average. Well, you have to be apples to apples because their 125, I think is, or at least some of the, well, now I'm not unclear who qualifies and how is all up in the air. Some of the data they released was measured, I believe by household income, but I think in qualifying it's personal income. I'm not clear. $36,000 a year. That is point is this was sold as a, some means to help the poor and the downtrodden. Uh, That is not what is happening in, um, in many of these cases, but we're going to find out how it uh, plays out. If it ever rolls out based on, they haven't announced all the specifics yet. It's probably going to get a court challenge. The whole thing is a mess, but we'll try to make sense of it. Um, Meanwhile, uh, Gavin McInnes rated live on air by still unknown law enforcement. I've heard people in the know say it was feds. We don't really know yet. We'll take a look, but don't get too I excited. I got some theories. I, I wish we had insider information to share. We don't, so don't count on that. But I know he's not answering his text messages. <laughs> oh, you did try that. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. Uh, I, I thought about it, and then I was like, feds have his phone. Why am I even going <laughs> to yeah, we'll uh, try to. Well, we have, we'll offer what we can about what uh, remains a mystery. Plus, I have a quad feed of hoax hate tonight. All of them were so good. I couldn't cut any one of them. So we'll get to that at the end. All four. And uh, before we get out of here, tonight's movie review is 1917. So stick around. We'll catch up with your super chats in between topics as well. Ten bucks and up on the Sunday show because we are no good low down money grabbers. It will be all this and more in your favorite couple hours of listing material. Remember, you can find everything show related and support the show for as little as a buck a month over on the website. That is Matt Christensen Media dot com. We also have show merchandise for sale over on the site. Plus, we have offers from friendly listener owned businesses as well. This week's feature business is our friends at Western Razor Company. Everyone knows how many options there are out there for shaving products, but they all seem like they come with huge compromises. Most razors sold today are made in China by global conglomerates who hate you. Well, not anymore. I'm talking about the new high noon safety razor from Western Razor. Not only is it made in America, but it uses widely available double-edged razor blades that cost pennies each. Safety razors were used by just about every man in America back in the 50s and 60s until the big razor companies figured out they could make more money selling disposables and signing you up for endless subscriptions. But the safety razor has always been the superior method made out of 100% metal in the USA. Western Razor's High Noon Razor is a fantastic way to buy American and actually save money long term. Get one today. You can get 10% off your entire order from Western Razor using promo code MAT10. 10% off at Western Razors. Promo code MAT10. 
Find everything you need from Western Razor Company, plus other great offers from the rest of our friendly listener-owned businesses like Hero Soap Company, Phoenix Ammunition, Sonoran Defense Technologies, and more. That's at mattchristensenmedia.com slash deals. Deals by listeners for listeners. Well, uh, I have a particularly special listener submission this evening. I'm not sure if you've seen this yet. We've had a lot of great listener contributions. And this has this is not an exclusive. It has been circulating some corners of the Internet through the last few days. But, um, you know, we've had artwork. We have had music. We've had shout outs from celebrities. And this is not meant to be any disrespect toward those fine listener contributions. It's just I've never had anyone submit um, an ATF encounter. (laughs) So listener Nick. Listener Nick and his wife, apparently, they got a visit from the ATF recently over his purchase of a solvent trap, which uh, the ATF now views and classifies as a suppressor, which is a federally restricted item. Uh, I'll explain that more in a minute. He was not arrested, but uh, the conversation was highly entertaining, and I believe the conversation to be authentic. Have a listen. Nick, what's going on, man? How's it going? Hey, with the ATF. Okay. I'm hearing about a solvent trap that you ordered. Okay. Do you still have it? I'm not going to answer any questions. Well, we're actually here to recover because they're being used as suppressors. Do you have a warrant? I don't have a warrant. If you don't have it, you can sign that you don't have it anymore. I'm not going to sign anything. Okay, don't sign anything. So what will happen is if you're caught with it, we'll prosecute you federally. Sure. For an NFA item. We we know what you're using it for, correct? I mean, you bought a jig with it for your AR-15. I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> this isn't the first time we've done this. If you want to come back with a warrant, mm-hmm. I mean, you can do that. Okay. Absolutely. Take your hand out your pocket for me, please. I'm sorry? Take your hand out of your pocket for me. You're on my sure. property. I can put my hands where I want them. All right. We're law enforcement. We're <laughs> talking to you in an official capacity. So you're on my property. Right. Your pockets. We're not trying to be, your, be jerks here. You are, though. You're, you're, well, we're you're, not. You're the we're ATF. Not. <laughs> ATF. Your entire job is to take away people's guns. I don't think you have any idea what our job is. I know is, everything actually. about your job. Oh, All please it is, tell is to me. erode the, the Second Amendment. Okay. Shall not be infringed. So violent uh, criminals with guns that we take off the street. That's, oh, like oh. at Waco? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Bro, my dogs? You need to quit. Any keep right. my dogs you in need the house? to quit reading right. so many books. Break. I, yeah, it's, it's You're watching too many shows. Okay. And yeah, that's too many books. Yeah. Reading, quit reading books. These fucking... Feds, that is my favorite audience member. Good for you, dude. The, the ball's on you. Uh, that was uh, well played. Uh, I, I did cut it a little bit for time. The ATF agents pledged to return, so I hope it wasn't too well played, Nick. Um, but yeah, you, you picked up on exactly what I did. The ATF does not like it when you watch shows or read books about You're Waco. You're reading too <laughs> many books. And Ruby Ridge. Uh, we're not trying to be jerks. We're just showing up without a warrant to try to steal your property that we have ourselves reclassified as illegal. And please don't stand however you please on your own property. We really don't like it when you have your hands in your pockets or you know, standing around however else you please in your own home or on your own oh, property. Not jerk like at all. Now, as far as what is accused here, and I will emphasize, I have no knowledge about whether what they're saying is true. Uh, I don't want to create the impression that it is or that it is not. I am not commenting on the truth of the accusations at all, just the broad themes of what they're talking about. So they're they're accusing Nick of having a solvent trap, which were um, designed to attach to a gun barrel and catch cleaning solvent when you clean your gun. 
though, uh, if those items are properly drilled out, they can be used as suppressors, which if you do that without the proper paperwork and the proper tax, that would be illegal. That's okay. what they're talking about. But so long as you don't modify, well, I should say, so long as you didn't modify these into being actual suppressors, they were perfectly legal to buy and to own until the ATF decided through its own rulemaking that these items are silencers now, despite years of their purchase being perfectly legal. There was no new law that was passed, only ATF magic wands, as we've seen waving in many different cases lately. Uh, and again, citizens who had lawfully owned property yesterday are apparently now being targeted by ATF agents, at least visiting. We wouldn't call it a raid, I suppose. They weren't they didn't take anything. They didn't kick down any doors, but they're visiting and asking some questions. They're trying to take property that you legally bought yesterday because they say it's illegal now, even though Congress yep. had nothing to say about that. That's what we're dealing with. Yeah, uh, he's totally right about the ATF. Don't they go into it, too. Don't go book reading about any of it. That was just boss. He didn't even sound nervous. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I got to give a lot of credit there because uh, uh, my, I'd, I'd be enraged. I'd be I would be really pissed off if I was in that situation where they come and tell me how to stand on my own property without a warrant. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not I wouldn't I wouldn't take kindly to that either. So uh, good job, Nick. And uh all the best in your future ATF encounters, because it sounds like they uh, they plan a revisit. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, all right. Let's talk about some uh, other news. Uh, just some past cases to update on before we get into semi-fascism and uh, the student loans and all the big news of the week. But uh, recall, of course, the Rayshard Brooks police shooting in Atlanta in 2020. Brooks was passed out drunk at a Wendy's drive through police attempted to arrest him. He fought police. He stole their taser. He pointed the taser at them while running away and he was shot dead. That was all on body cam video. And then, of course, Wendy's was burned down because this was all Wendy's fault because they're the ones who called the cops and the man drunk right, right. asleep in their drive through and the mob at the Wendy's in the weeks after killed a, a completely uninvolved little girl simply driving by with her family as well. I don't remember so, this. What, what were the specifics on that? It was something about her family got was into what had just become mob slash gang headquarters at the burned down Wendy's. Was it a drive by thing? The family tried to turn around and for whatever reason, the mob didn't take kindly to them to their presence in this this uh, Black Lives Matter memorial area or whatever. Was, it was. she white? The no, girl? she was black. Oh, man. It was a black family just driving around and she was in the car. They shot at the car and she got hit and died. I think she was nine years Good old. Good Lord. Did anything yeah. happen to them? No. Uh, they did catch the guy. I, I believe uh, charges. I'm not sure if there was a conviction, but I, I recall a story about charges. Anyway, uh, an activist prosecutor there in Fulton County, Georgia, had charged the cop who shot Brooks, Garrett Rolfe, with murder. In fact, 11 total charges were attempted against Rolfe and his fellow officer, Devin Brosnan. But now all two years later, all are being dropped. The investigating district attorney assigned to the case from a neighboring county said, quote, based on the facts and circumstances confronting Officer Rolfe and Officer Brosnan in this case, it is my conclusion the use of deadly force was objectively reasonable and that they did not act with criminal intent. Both officers remain employed with the Atlanta Police Department and have been on administrative duty since the June 2020 shooting. More than two Seriously? years ago. Yeah. Oh, so that's resolved. 
another thing that I, I guess you could call it resolved, but of course, recall the Whitmer kidnapping plot case, or at least alleged kidnapping plot. I know I say that despite two new convictions now, but we have to recall the first trial back in April, which turned out to be, yes, a fednapping plot in the eyes of the jury. Uh, the jury in that case in April acquitted two defendants outright and the jury, there was a hung jury in the other two. They, they could not convict, but they didn't. Oh, we were either. so hopeful, weren't we? Well, uh, this, how this developed is, is curious. It's interesting. Um, but that first jury fucked up big time. Well, this second jury seems like it has some problems too, <laughs> but, yeah, totally. but to your point that, uh, the first jury maybe should have acquitted. I, they certain, clearly should have acquitted. Certain evidence was allowed or disallowed. Certain things were excluded. You know, it was some politically but, motivated uh, hanger on like holdout on the jury. I'm sure it might. have. Yeah, we don't know as far as I'm aware whether it, the jury was split or whether there was, was just, just one guy. One person. Yeah. One guy. But or lady or one check. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one transgender person. I don't I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, the other. um the other two defendants who were not convicted or not acquitted, rather, back in April, Adam Fox and Barry Croft, they were retried in a second federal prosecution. That's one of my issues with this, which I'll get to in a moment. And this week they were convicted on federal kidnapping and weapons of mass destruction and unlawful firearms possession charges. The same judge actually presided over this case as the first one. My initial thought, my initial, I didn't pay uh, super close attention to this trial, but I thought, oh, was it a different judge? Maybe the evidence included and excluded was different. No, it was the same judge. Um, and according to Julie Kelly at American Greatness reporting here, the judge made some notable changes or moves this time. Um, the judge allowed a juror to be seated despite that juror telling coworkers that he had already decided the case and intended to ensure a particular result. The judge met privately with that juror and ordered all findings from that meeting sealed. So we don't know what was said or what happened. The judge scolded defense attorneys for what he said were irrelevant lines of questioning, limited their time during cross-examination. Kelly says that in both trials, this uh, particular judge excluded hundreds of incriminating texts between FBI handlers and informants. Kelly also notes that despite uh, a jury being unable to convict uh, on the same facts last time, uh, this time the jury convicted in less than half the time that the first jury deliberated for. Do you know anything about this judge? I don't I don't know much about this judge in particular. No, I bet you a thousand dollars. It's a woman. Uh, no, it is not. Actually, <gasps> I do know that Seriously? it's not a chick judge. Do you no. know what his name is? Uh, the ju- yeah, the judge's name is in here. Uh, I got to get the scoop on this guy. Let me find it for you. A judge, Robert Man. Jonker or Yonker. It's J-O-N-K-E-R. So, mm. uh Anyway, where, where did I leave off here? Sorry. Oh, um, so Kelly is speculating, and she's found this closely and done good reporting on it. She's speculating the judge got the message from the powers of be. And so that's the reason that this case went differently. Both Fox and Croft now face up to life in prison for this uh, fednapping plot. And my question, and I invite some answers from those who are more legally knowledgeable and legally inclined or legal professionals in the audience. I, I just, I find it, very confusing and hard to defend that this is not double jeopardy as prohibited by the fifth amendment. And I understand that mistrials, there can be, there are different types of mistrials. Maybe you have a procedural error early in the trial. The case never goes to the jury. And so you have That's to not redo what happened, it. Though? This case went to the jury. 
in April. The jury was unable to convict. It's true. They were not unanimous in an acquittal, but they could. What does that mean? That means the prosecutors completed their job without error, without any kind of problem. And the prosecutors failed to convince the jury on conviction unanimously. Now I, I read a little bit about it. There's Wait, one. You can't retry crazy, uh, cases where the where the jury is hung. I was under the impression that that was relatively standard. You can, <laughs> and they just did. Right, and okay. uh, there's a law professor quoted in some prior coverage on the story that uh, who says, uh, "quote There's no issue with double jeopardy here by retrying them," and the reason for that is because there was no conclusion in the April case. There was no right. final judgment, and so there was no conviction. Well, there there was a conclusion insofar as they weren't able to convict. I know that that's not the same thing as a unanimous acquittal, but the jury considered all the facts. The case was handled fairly. There weren't any procedural problems and they could not convict. And yet a second trial on the same charges, same facts, same jurisdiction, because you you think about cases like Chauvin. Chauvin was prosecuted both in Minnesota state court and in federal court for different charges related to the same event. But that's not considered double jeopardy because of the jurisdictional difference. As far as I understand, this is the same uh, jurisdiction federal court both times yikes i mean it has to be if it was the same judge right he's not doing um, double service and getting on this guy is that he was a bush appointee yeah i did i did read that i don't know much about him but uh so yeah i'm not saying that there's no possible rebuttal i just i to me this seems like a a, a spiritual violation of, of the purpose of double jeopardy your, your case went to a jury the jury couldn't convict and they said ah let's get another crack but well, that's why people should uh do their best not to, uh, to hang a jury or to convince the remaining person that's hanging the jury to make some sort of decision um, if that is what happened if you're if you're right i know it's a pure guess but if you're right that it was one person who created a hung jury last time around i guess my only question would be too I you mean, saw I- 12 angry men you can always convert <laughs> most of the people yeah Whoever that per- if it was one person, of course, they had to have different findings. Of course, the facts were different. The charges were different for each man. But that person did vote to acquit two of them and not to and uh, and couldn't be persuaded to acquit for the other two. So whoever they are, I wish we could hear a, an explanation, but I wouldn't count on it. Dangerous Spaces says, uh, how did you know the jury was hung? Were they not wearing pants? <laughs> that is a that is a chat worthy joke right there. Thank you. That's a real um, bummer. I can't believe these guys are going to rot in jail with all of the stunts they pulled with the honey pot and the weed smoking. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. It's just unreal to me. Yeah. Uh, Barry Croft was the guy who uh, apparently got got hotel accommodations from the FBI that included a female informant who was supplied to him as well as I don't know if the weed was supplied to him, but they partook in the weed together, apparently. You know, they're really they're really going down the chain of people that they're fetting out. Like now that they've gotten Gavin, we're going to talk about this. Um, is it just going to be like they're just going to keep coming for people until you and I get arrested? I don't know well, that I'll have begged for a hit piece for so long. And then my ultimate hit piece will arrive <laughs> in know, the form really. of a federal raid. Federal penitentiary. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but these guys, what were they doing? It was just that they had to validate this narrative that um, people were out to get her. Or out to get leftist politicians in general. I think it's they just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. I suppose. Yeah. yeah well, uh, we've gone over this case at length, and in, in, uh, just the the degree of federal involvement in orchestrating and recruiting and plotting, um, it, it's it's a perfectly fair 
all suspicions, biases, um, whatever, all of those things aside, it's a perfectly fair conclusion to say this plot does not happen without federal assistance. It just doesn't. Oh, it couldn't have happened yeah. without federal assistance. Uh, also, an update in the Uvalde story on Wednesday, Uvalde school board, uh, the Uvalde school board fired Pete Arredondo, the school district police chief who didn't realize that he was the incident commander during the uh, May school shooting uh, and uh, who also lied uh, about attempting to open the door several times with keys. The unanimous vote to fire him came after Arredondo submitted a request to be taken off suspension and to receive back pay for the time <laughs> he's been off the job for oh, the last really? three or so months. Arredondo did not participate in the meeting and through his legal representation called it an illegal and unconstitutional public lynching. Hmm. Okay. As far as how getting uh, fired for not doing your job is a constitutional violation, Arredondo's legal team says that this process to fire him was illegal because the school board imposed some sort of last minute procedural hurdles on the meeting. That was a violation of Arredondo's 14th Amendment right to due process and his First Amendment right to free speech because he wasn't given the opportunity to speak, even though he says he didn't want to participate. I don't I, I just wonder how far he's going to take this legal quest to become the most hated man in the country, e even if there were some um, procedural issues with the with how this was handled in terms of his firing. Uh, he had some procedural issues himself in terms of how he handled the school shooting. It might be time to just be like Homer and back into the bush, even if you were mistreated procedurally somehow. I just don't. He's clearly not going to do that if he's come this far. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's all the money. Thing. Maybe he thinks, um, well, I'm not going to be able to earn a damn dollar for a long time, so I better get every dollar Cash that out. I can. Maybe yeah. it's maybe it's as simple as that. Okay. Uh, I mentioned this on Wednesday. Uh, what's the name of this person? Um, this uh, uh, Demi Minor. Why did I not Minor. put that in the notes? Demi, Demi Minor, the, the New Jersey transgender prisoner, formerly at the women's prison in New Jersey, but then reassigned to, I guess, a male juvenile facility last week, yeah. caught up on the yeah, story. We couldn't impregnate any women and people kept misgendering him, so he was really mad. Yeah. Although it's not really true that he tried to cut off his testicle. What? It's not exactly what well, Why does the headline okay. say that? Trans inmate who impregnated two prisoners tries self-castration after being misgendered. That's not what. Oh, really well, okay. son of a bitch. I had to, I have to read this uh, verbatim from NBC because I I couldn't believe that they put this in here. Okay, A transgender inmate who was transferred to another facility after impregnating two women, blah, 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 says her new prison is mistreating and misgendering her, which ultimately led her attempting to remove one of her own testicles. With a razor. It says that in the article. Her own testicles. Her okay. own testicles. What <laughs> is this clown world? Yeah. So, okay. So what actually happened is minor, she self, himself, herself, has said that this was like self-mutilating behavior and mm. not really an attempt at self-castration. Uh, there was this whole thing about the Mayo Clinic, like self-harm and cutting oneself and borderline personality disorder, whatever. So this is from him because apparently they're letting him blog on that website still. When I began to bleed, I did not even think about dying. I just thought about finally having relief from the pain I felt. Being here in a male prison amplifies the harm that I once felt from being called a cocksucker to being called a faggot to being touched. I hate it all. Men come writing me letters for sexual things. I fucking hate it. So, so... Okay, he also said that he wasn't aware that his 
that his desires to like relieve the pain could have devastating consequences like this. So it sounds like he's saying like he just like tried like cut his nuts. He just like, he just put the, a scratch or two in that female sack. And yeah, and it wasn't for the purpose of self-castration. It was more like when a borderline personality woman like cuts her arms. Okay. Well, that, I, I had questions him. about this because it was presented as like he tried to cut off one of his nuts. It was characterized in that way. And that's That's not really what he's saying about it. He's yeah. saying it was self-mutilating behavior. Maybe a little sensationalized. Of, other emotional pain that he felt. Yeah. Well, and as, as I mentioned on Wednesday, you want demonstration that this has nothing to do with mental illness. It's that being mildly insulted causes you to start <laughs> cutting away at your own nutsack with a razor blade. That, I know. Too no, bad he didn't do it. No, no mental illness to speak of here. This is crazy. I think he just like scratched up his nuts to try to get transferred back to that facility where you can pork all those fat black chicks. <laughs> My only other question is let's say that he was successful and at least one nut was amputated and it became a possibility for you to have this specimen for your shelf of oddities. Would you accept? Fuck yeah. You would want it. <laughs> would I want some crazy trannies? Nut? Yeah, I've talked about this story a lot on this show. There's some nuts I would take. That is not what I meant to say. On my shelf. <laughs> There's some nuts that I would put on my shelf. For the record, I disavow. As always. <laughs> Why? Selling selling and exchanging body parts is a slippery slope. But especially selling and exchanging body parts are two different things. Just Well, okay. Out. Even voluntary exchange, I think, is a little slippery, but I understand why you would be fascinated with this particular specimen. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, let's get into what? Hold on. Uh oh, it's happening. I'm drinking, got the vid for the third time. I'm drinking water tonight, too. Why is my voice going? Because you need that beer. <clears throat> Something help, deep down in there. smooth voice. Yeah, I don't know. Well, into uh, the president's news of the week. Recall just a few weeks ago, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Tim Biden spent all this time on market research and all this money on market research and consulting and focus groups, and they came up with Ultra MAGA. That's what they were going to call their opposition. Ultra MAGA. And then Ultra MAGA became mostly successful as like pro-Trump pro t-shirt branding. It never really took off for the Democrats. Apparently they're trying again and their explanations here don't clarify whether this was another focus group product or whether old man Biden is just freestyling again. But, um, but <laughs> he's going not just with Ultra MAGA and now it's extreme MAGA. And they're not quite fascist. They're semi-fascist. So Biden is is leaving a little bit of backup room uh, just in case this one doesn't stick. He can call us all fascists by uh, by October. So this happened when Biden gave this campaign uh, style speech in Maryland on Thursday night ahead of the midterms in which he said, I don't respect the MAGA Republicans. And as I mentioned, he said the survival of the planet itself depends on you voting Democrat in November. Vote Democrat or die. We've reached that stage. But earlier in the night, Biden spoke at a Democrat fundraiser and he said, uh, I've not seen a recording of this, but all I see is it quoted, quote, what we're seeing now is either the beginning or the death knell of an extreme MAGA philosophy, either the beginning or the end. <laughs> so, yeah. Who knows? Okay. Of an extreme MAGA philosophy. It's not just Trump. It's the entire philosophy that underpins the, I'm going to say something. It's like semi-fascism. That's the quote. So, uh, again, the great unifier of decency and dignity, he strikes again 
everyone who who opposes him is an extreme MAGA semi-fascist. Because again, this isn't just about Trump. It's about anybody who even considers the possibility of warmness to Trump and or opposition to Biden. So um, you might wonder, how are, how are non-Democrats fascists? What are the fascistic things we believe or how, behaviors that we show or things that we do that make us fascistic? Uh, and even more specifically than that, how are we semi-fascistic? And what does semi-fascism even mean? Uh, what separates it from full fascism? Why is why is Biden? What separates those things is is uh, an interesting question. But another way to look at it is why is Biden giving that benefit? It's like yeah. he's trying to smear his opposition. Why would you be so kind as to call them semi-fascists? It's uh, a lot of interesting questions to ask. And um, to get those answers... Of course, you're going to have to turn to the most talented, qualified, and most importantly, most black and most lesbian immigrant press secretary of all time, Karine Jean-Pierre. And you know it's bad when even Don Lemon is keen on the bullshit and pressing yeah. her to get her to explain what this what this means. Here she is on CNN and at her podium asked several times to define this new term semi-fascism. What exactly is semi-fascism, Karine? The American people have a choice in front of them. When you look at what Democrats are doing and what they are delivering, which is lowering costs on prescription drugs, lowering the energy uh, uh, costs, standing up it's, for women. And they are, Karine. I want to get to all of those of things. Women. If you'll answer my question, we can get to those I things. I am. What exactly I am. is semi-fascism? Don, I was just about to get to your question. Okay. I really was. They are attacking our democracy. They are taking away our freedom. And they are trying to uh, put on the chopping blocks Medicare and Social Security. It's being done by this element, this MAGA element of the Republican Party. I was very clear when uh, when laying out uh, and defining uh, what uh, you know MAGA Republicans have done. And you look at the definition of fascism and you think about uh, what they're doing in, in attacking our democracy, what they're doing in taking away uh, our freedoms, uh, taking away, wanting to take away our rights, our voting rights. I mean, that is what that is. Very clear. Well, I do want to take away her voting rights. <laughs> um, hey, a point's a point. <laughs> a point is a point. But it's, it's just so shocking to listen to people that have been um, that have been coming down on all of our freedoms for for so long talk about their personal freedoms yeah. and how were usurping power yeah. it's shocking i seem to remember some uh, vaccine mandates that were ruled unconstitutional i seem yeah. to remember some very recent scandals as of this week about well to be fair i suppose the fbi at the time that was 2020 under trump but even the alex berenson thing we have confirmed demonstration now of this administration working with social media to censor people we know what they think about your gun rights. They never forget yeah. to tell you that. What freedoms are you talking about other than, I guess, the most important freedom of them all, which is racially diverse scissoring. That is exactly the freedom that we have How to protect. Are you the one that said this on this show? <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. I, yeah, I don't know. Right. I, I suppose I stole your thunder. Um, Wait, is her woman white? Yes. Yeah. It's uh, the former CNN lady. It's her name's Suzanne Malveaux. Uh, I can't remember. She was on CNN for a while or something. 
Suzanne. Mal- um, oh. And of course, uh, you know, right. uh, these non-fascists, Corinne Jean-Pierre and the rest of the people at the White House, they're always thinking of these creative ways to smear and otherwise express their hatred for people who even slightly disagree with them. That's how non-fascist yeah. they are. And yeah. it's not just Corinne Jean-Pierre. We're seeing elements of this uh, non-fascism appear throughout uh, the Democratic Party at this point. Non-fascist New York Governor Kathy Hochul said at a campaign event this week ahead of uh, a Tuesday special election um, that she wants, to, to be perfectly precise, she says she wants these candidates for office to leave New York. But the implication being that if you agree with these candidates or support them, that you also need to leave New York. So she she said um, Trump and her challenger for governor, Lee Zeldin, and Rep- um, the Republican running in this race, uh, she was stumping for at the time, uh, Mark Molinaro, they should get on a bus to Florida and leave because they are not New Yorkers. Fighting to bring government back to the people and out of the hands of dictators. And we're here to say that the era of Trump and Zeldin and Molinaro just jump on a bus and head down to Florida where you belong, okay? Get out of town, get out of town. Because you, re- you don't represent our values. You are not New Yorkers. You're not New Yorkers. Uh, weren't they begging people to come back from, from Florida like they last still year? They still oh, are. Good Lord. <laughs> and I, I love this, too. We're, we're taking our government back from dictators. It's the same thing with Corinne Jean-Pierre. Who are you talking about? In the case of the federal government, you control both houses of Congress and you have the presidency. In the case of New York, your party has controlled that state for the last forever So when you talk about they're taking away our rights, where do you mean in the states that they control? And if that is what you mean, how is it non-fascistic of you to want to override the will of the people in those states and control it from D.C.? Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, you're not going to be able to reason with these people because this is a tactic. This is a tactic. You know, they they cry out while they strike you. It's it's they even when they're in power, they act like. They are some kind of uh, some kind of oppressed minority like they they're talking about because it works. We need to do this. I guess. I don't know. I hate this stuff. I don't want to adopt this. As a white male, you are becoming an oppressed minority. Why can't you do this too? Well, it's it's not just that it's a lie. I also hate the victim mentality, even if there's truth in it. And I I fully grant your point. I do believe that there are a lot of forces that uh, pride themselves on discriminating against people of my demographics but i just hate yielding that sort of control to them it's like even if you are unfairly biased against me i'm not going to let you own my life in that way so but you just have to pretend to be a victim you think that all these people are walking around with yeah. ptsd and no shit of course from not. legitimately it's a power victims? play no it's a power play yeah. if we were dirty like the left we'd be winning right now yeah but then we'd be dirty too and that's the great conflict of the show it's like how dirty am I willing to get to win? And how dirty do you get before you become dirty? Real dirty. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I don't, I don't want to uh, trust me. I, I want to get to a, a point where these people are not in political power, certainly not national political power, but uh, I don't want to become a mirror image of Kathy Hochul either. I suppose yeah, I have a long way to go. I don't think you could ever go so far. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that that would, that I trust in your ability to take it to the edge and then be able to pull it back. You know? Well, maybe, but stare once, into the abyss. Once you get a taste of that power, it gets the mo- it gets most of us, you know. 
We have to regain the power. Well, it's never going to happen. I don't even know why I'm bothering entertaining. This. Well, no, it's a, it's an interesting philosophical point. I know uh, Phil in the chat brings this up and I, I, I can't say that it's completely wrong. If you grant the premise that there are levers of power to be pulled, someone's got to pull them. You want morally virtuous people to be doing that. My preference would be that the, the levers don't exist. Uh, and I think uh, Phil and others would say, yeah, that's great. Uh, they do. So <laughs> what are you going to do about that? Um, and people are clearly incapable of self-governance. Um, that's I don't know that I would agree that to claim that broad. What are you, like, look to your left and your right. Lots like, are <laughs> half those people are retards. Uh, there's I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't go to the other side and say everyone is because clearly that's not true. Um, Most people are incapable of self-governance. I hope that's not true, but that's one of those things that it's hard for me to differentiate between what I want to be true and what is actually true about the world. And I think we all have an obligation to operate within Aren't the framework you less of disillusioned after this COVID thing. Oh, it's a, it was a huge disappointment. Yeah. Just incredibly disappointed in the human race on this one. Not just the initial reaction, but how long it lasted. Yes. It's still, it's ongoing, ongoing. Well, I'm going to get back on track to the non-fascist Democrats for a minute Um, because it wasn't just Kathy Hochul. It's not Corrine Jean-Pierre. Similarly, former Florida governor. He was a former Republican turned independent, now turned Democrat. Charlie Crist won the Democratic primary to challenge incumbent governor Ron DeSantis for the office of governor in November. He was asked by a reporter on Wednesday how he'll appeal to DeSantis voters and change their minds. Chris said he doesn't want their votes because he rejects the hate in their hearts. Those who support the governor should stay with him and vote for him. And I don't want your vote. If you have that hate in your heart, keep it there. I want the vote of the people he of Florida who care about our state. Good Democrats, good independents, good Republicans. Unify with this ticket. <laughs> unify with us unless you think slightly differently in which case fuck off i don't I want anything know. to do with you yeah. uh but yeah you're right that was exactly what i thought as soon as he said i i want nothing to do with the hate in your hearts and then he said we gon' be rich when he announced yeah. his gofundme only longtime listeners of the show will know that one but <laughs> um Lord. but calling your opposition fascist telling them they need to leave if they disagree with you telling them that they're so morally inferior that they're irredeemable that they that they're not even worthy of being convinced to your viewpoints. All of that contributes to the hostilities that will continue to boil over. And at this point, I'm completely done thinking that that is any kind of mistake. I, these people are baiting conflict. They want the conflict. And uh, it's as simple as that. As far as I'm concerned, this is amazing Um, because moderate people are getting pushed out of the party. If any moderate people are still actually Democrats. Yeah. Um, No, this is good. More uh, more extremism on both sides is clearly what we need here. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's what we need, but it, if this stuff continues, it's certainly what we're going to get. It's hard to see anything other than polarization. That's what they're saying they want. Either align with us 100% or get the hell out of here. Okay, well, there's, there is no middle ground then. And our, our whole system, and a country as big as we are geographically and as, in terms of population, the whole system is predicated on the ability to agree to disagree when you say that you can't disagree, you invite conflict. And I'm convinced they are intentionally inviting the conflict at this point. We'll find out. We'll see how it goes. Uh, hey, speaking of non-fascist actions, apparently <laughs> there's a such crime as conspiracy to traffic a stolen diary interstate. Now, a stolen diary has become it's a, not stolen. <sighs> this is what they're saying. This is, 
I, I'm unclear. Why it did was, they plead guilty? Why? Was, well, I'm sure. I'm sure there were some uh, influential pressures on them to do that. But when I actually can't remember when it. They say it's stolen, Ashley Biden's diary, but it I'll was abandoned. That. Is that? I'll, I'll get to okay, it. Okay, all right. I'll get, you to yeah. get to it. Okay, so Amy Harris of Palm Beach, she's forty, and Robert Cur- Robert Curlander, fifty-eight of Jupiter, they both pled guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit interstate transportation of stolen property, and um, the charge carries a maximum sentence of five years in prison. So, for those of you that don't know. Uh, what happened was, okay, they're, they're calling this a stolen diary, but this is, this is bullshit. This is from the New York times. So Ashley Biden was living in Delray beach, Florida with a friend who had rented a two bedroom house. So she was not on the lease. She was just staying in this house with a friend. And then she had been to rehab earlier in Florida in 2019. And this house was like a, a place where she could go to hide from the media coverage of her being in rehab um, during the um, the election stuff. So when the campaign started ramping up, she decided to move to Philadelphia, but planned to return to the Delray Beach, even though it wasn't her lease and she was just hanging with a friend. Um, she left a bag of stuff there. And then a few weeks after she left, her friend, who was hosting her, uh, allowed somebody else to move in who was this chick, Amy Harris, and her mm. two children. And New York Times pointed this out. Ms. Harris was in a contentious custody dispute. She's struggling, struggling financially, blah, 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 I, as though that's her incentive, although it might have had something to do with it. She um, made money, to be fair. She, she, she did make money. money, yeah. But once, um, once Harris moved into this house, she just finds this bag filled with Ashley Biden stuff including an incredibly incriminating diary. And then she gives it to Project Veritas, sells it to Project Veritas. She has to travel to sell it to Project Veritas. Now, um, I don't know how you could possibly call that a stolen diary. She didn't go into Ashley Biden's house and steal it. Ashley Biden abandoned it at a property where she didn't even live. She was just hiding out so that people didn't know that she was a drug addict. Hmm. And she left. She moved somewhere else. A new tenant moved in. And there was how much time that passed between Ashley Biden leaving it there and them moving in? Three weeks. Okay. So it wasn't like the next day even. Does it matter? Well, I suppose you got to have a little bit of time for her to realize that maybe she forgot something to go back and get it. But no, she left. She supposedly left a bag of things there because she planned to return. But she didn't have like a return date. And she didn't even have a formal lease that would protect her right to the property. Exactly. Yeah. So I I don't know. Like, on one hand, I kind of feel for her because she she stayed in the shadows and everything like that. She um, she clearly hates what's going on. And she got molested by her father. And nobody's talking about that. That, And that is actually that is the the big point of this, uh, which I want to get into. But uh, finish your thought, of course. But she clearly didn't ask for any of this, but also her diary wasn't stolen. It's like you're 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 the daughter, whether or not you want to be or you're having personal issues or you have trauma, sexual trauma in your past. You are the daughter of a a, a presidential candidate and you are high profile. You need to protect your interests and the interests of your family. Like doing something like this is mind boggling, bogglingly stupid. It's a very hunter move, but you start to wonder if some if. Even if it's like uh, subconsciously, you make these sabotage moves because you you hate the system hate, that you're yeah, yeah, yeah. that you're in by virtue you of your family. It? I don't know. Maybe 
maybe I, I don't know. It's hard for me to speculate motive, whether it was pure accident or whether she wanted someone to find this, but a um, few questions I have. N- number one, again, in what other context is conspiracy to transport a stolen diary across state lines, some kind of massive federal issue worth five yeah. years in prison. That's a, this is a new one. Um, Obviously, there was some dispute about whether this diary was, in fact, real. We, again, it's another example, just like Hunter's laptop. We were told for a long time it was fake. It ain't like a fake. thief in the night, <laughs> it's, taking I, it from the gutter. Yeah, I guess it could be the Donna Brazil theory where it's both stolen and fake, like Hillary's emails <laughs> in 2016. And if it is real, we have to, uh, again, uh, the president is personally, personally implicated in this diary. The same Hunter Biden excuse, well, he's not the president. Yeah, but the, the contents of his laptop implicate the president through shady dealings and other problems. The contents of this diary, Ashley Biden says she was molested. She says at a young age, I had showers with my dad that were probably not appropriate. That's, yeah. that's worthy of asking some questions. The, the coverage of Eric Trump and Kimberly Guilfoyle? Not much. What was what it, was that I mean, about? they were just getting roasted in the or media. Was it Don, the wasn't it Donald? Not or Whatever, Don Jr. Donald or right. yeah. Um, by Mika Brzezinski, by the way, who has her own marital infidelities that yeah. we could talk about all afternoon. But like, they were not going to let him off the hook for like a standard affair. Yeah, and nobody wants to talk about this. Yeah, you think that they would so, let any of the Trump kids off? Like, they would never shut up about this. This yeah. happened with to Trump. Also, keep in mind, as I mentioned, this diary was sold to Project Veritas, twenty grand each that uh, the two who had the diary were paid by Project Veritas. As far as I'm aware, no charges, nothing like that for Project Veritas at this time. But the feds are just a hair away from Project Veritas by virtue of this case. And so I wouldn't um, I wouldn't count out some other tentacles extending that way uh, fairly soon. Mm. We'll find out. Um, let's see. We got about 10 minutes before the top of the hour. I think I can be pretty quick about the affidavit, unless you have anything more to say about, uh, Ashley Biden's diary. Nope. Okay. The, uh, the affidavit that was released on Friday, of course, I should tie this into the rest of tonight's theme about non-fascism. It's definitely not fascist at all to be raiding the home of your most likely political challenger, um, on what appear to be exaggerated, non-transparent claims, uh, designed to obscure what is uh, plainly obvious, I think, that that this is something with a political motive or something of a political move. But, uh, but of course, there's only one way to know for sure, and I invite being proven completely wrong on that suspicion or that hunch, but that would be to see what exactly the FBI presented to the judge, uh, in this case, to demonstrate probable cause to get that warrant that we talked about last week. Um the the that evidence is uh, it's included in the affidavit, of course. And last we spoke about the story, the judge had made um, the somewhat surprising decision to require the DOJ to submit affidavit rea- uh, redactions so the document could be publicly released or at least as much of the document as possible without compromising the investigation. Well, on Thursday, the DOJ made that submission, their proposed redactions. And on Friday, the judge unsealed the red, uh, the document with their redactions. And as I mentioned at the top, it's pretty much what everyone expected. It is a, uh, it's a zebra hide. It is nothing but black and white stripes. We did learn um, a few sort of new facts. I, uh, the few specifics that we have. Um, we know now uh, the specific number 
according to the DOJ, there were 184 classified files that were found at Mar-a-Lago in January. That includes 67 documents marked as confidential, 92 marked as secret, 25 marked as top secret. We also learned that there were a there was a significant number of civilian witnesses that spoke with the FBI as part of their case in pursuing the warrant. Who are those witnesses? What did they say? We don't know anything about that, but we know a lot of their evidence was based on witness testimony. Another thing uh, we learned, like we discussed last week, the FBI's DC uh, DC team is on this. It's not the Miami team, as was previously uh, reported. Further support for the story that there is a lot of overlap uh, with the Russiagate team of yesteryear. The agent submitting this affidavit is a special agent with uh, the Washington field office, unnamed. We don't know who that person is. Uh, but a lot like the warrant released last week, we don't really have new information on what exactly these documents are and the specific evidence that the FBI presented to the judge. Without those things, we're still largely in the dark about what exactly was confiscated from Mar-a-Lago and why. And just how redacted is the affidavit? Well, you can read some of the background. We went through that last week in terms of what led up to the actual search. Most of that was already available through public reporting. Take a look at the probable cause section of the uh, redacted affidavit that's now publicly released. Starting on page seven, you have a whole sequence of pages entirely blacked out. And there's maybe a sentence here or there that you can see, but this goes on and on and on, just nothing but black bars. So there's not- I guess they expect people to, to fill in the blanks. You know, when you bleep out something totally benign and you can just hear curse words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, like it's, it's always I mean, really the left funny. Is just manically filling in, filling in the blanks. Well, yeah, and they can't help themselves. I do see a lot of completely unwarranted conclusions being drawn. No pun intended, but it is yeah. insane. Well, just look at all the top secret national security compromising stuff that's in here. That's why it's all blacked out. Yada, yada, yada. Well, we just don't know. That's the point. Um, and, uh, oh, another point about how redacted is it? Well, recall the judge had to, uh, the judge told the DOJ, you need to submit reasons for your redactions, which they did. And their reasons for the redactions are themselves redacted. So we can't, <laughs> see, we can't even see the reasons why in most cases. So, uh, oh, so yeah, um, waste of time. I, I, I got to give a little bit of credit to Trump. I thought this was pretty funny. He, he released a statement that said they forgot a page in that release and it's just all blacked out except for make America great again. I thought Cute. that was pretty funny. Uh, good job on that. And uh, let's see. I already. What did I do here? I lost my place. Oh. Um. So and then the the Wall Street Journal released their own analysis of uh, of this affidavit release, and at least in the opinion of the editorial board over at the Wall Street Journal, this does look a lot like it is just a records dispute. That it's not a national security, not necessarily a giant national security thing that we were all told or we were all sold than it was no um, they lied to us i can't believe it the wall street journal editorial board says it's possible the redactions in the 38 page document uh release contain some undisclosed bombshell but given the contours of what the affidavit and attachments reveal this really does seem to boil down to a fight over handling of classified documents the affidavit's long introduction and other unredacted paragraphs all point to concern by the FBI and the National Archives with the documents Mr. Trump retained at Mar-a-Lago and his lack of cooperation in not returning all that the feds wanted. The Wall Street Journal points out that if this is, if that is all that this is, a fight over the handling of 
the storage of classified uh, documents, which, again, I'll emphasize, we don't actually know is the case. We don't know what was classified or what wasn't. We don't know what Trump declassified or didn't. That's all still part of the mystery. But let's say that Trump had this classified information and there was a dispute about the storage of that. Well, the FBI could have gone to a federal district court and gotten an order for the proper handling of the documents. That order would have been executed. If Trump failed to comply, he'd be held in contempt. Unless there's some remaining bombshell, this uh, this warrant and search and this documentation of probable cause uh, for a crime that was all totally unnecessary to get their desired end. Unless, of course, their desired end has nothing to do with any of this document storage. And it's all just a pretext for whatever else they're trying to do, which is the theory that I buy. Uh, we'll find out what. But that remains uh, in development. Just in case you think the Wall Street Journal editorial board is biased. Well, here's a competing sampling from the New York Times editorial board. Uh, they put out an op-ed on Friday, and it's called Donald Trump is not above the law. Only Hillary Clinton is. Um, the subheading, of course, is a, <laughs> yeah. a joke, but but only barely, actually. Uh, you read through this. It's like, oh, the, the New York Times has called for Donald Trump to be indicted. And yeah, that's true, but it's on the weakest possible terms. Listen to this sentence uh, a few paragraphs in. Quote. If Attorney General Merrick Garland and his staff conclude that there is sufficient evidence to establish Mr. Trump's guilt on a serious charge in a court of law, then they must seek an indictment, too. Okay. In other words, if there's demonstration of a crime, it must be prosecuted. But, well, that's an acknowledgement that you don't know that there is, in fact, demonstration or evidence that a crime was committed, at least not yet. Yeah. There's one other uh, development over the weekend in this case, and that is that uh, a, a federal judge uh, is apparently uh, intending to uh, at least has issued a statement of preliminary intent to um, to appoint a special master in the case. Last week, we spoke that Trump was planning to file a motion alleging a violation of his Fourth Amendment rights, and we were unclear about how that would play out. And I was under the impression that the motion would be filed with the same judge, which is why I thought it wouldn't really matter. Uh, but that's, I guess, not what they meant. Or this is in. I, I don't know if this is exactly what they were talking about, but this is the direction they're going. They meant a motion with a different judge, apparently. Ah. On Saturday, Southern District of Florida Judge Eileen Cannon announced her preliminary intent to appoint a special master to review records seized by the FBI in the Mar-a-Lago raid. A hearing is now set for September 1st, that's Thursday, and the Justice Department must file a response by Tuesday, August 30th, including what the judge is asking for, a more detailed receipt for property, specifying all property seized pursuant to the search warrant. Now, a special master, what exactly is that? A special master is a person who is appointed by a court to oversee litigation or part of a case as well as to ensure that both parties abide by a judge's orders. They address matters that can't be effectively and timely addressed by an available judge or perform other duties that are consented to by the, both parties. So in this case, Trump's team is asking for a special master to review the records taken from Mar-a-Lago and identify any that may be protected by executive privilege, which refers to the legal power of the president to withhold certain forms of confidential communication from the courts and the legislatures. It's a separation of powers principle. The argument being that, uh, that, uh, they, that the president has a right to these records that they can't be claimed by the courts or, or by Congress, even though Congress isn't strictly involved in this, but separation of powers type idea. Um, 
Trump's team also says the FBI can't be trusted to protect Trump's rights. That is just a shocking claim. How could he be <laughs> so outrageous? So this judge, Eileen Cannon, is asking the DOJ for specific information about the records to help her make her decision about appointing this special master. Now, despite the judge's statement of preliminary intent to do it, an analyst quoted in this Newsweek piece uh, says he doesn't even think it's going to happen. This is Palm Beach County attorney Dave Ehrenberg. He says, quote, the documents have likely already been reviewed. It's tough to argue at this point the urgency you need to justify an extraordinary step as a uh, as a special master when you've waited two weeks to file your motion in a CNBC report here. Another uh, analyst is quoted as saying, even if the appointment happens, it's likely not going to significantly affect the investigation or any possible charges or any of that process. It would just stand to slow the process down. So this is a lot of technical stuff that I don't think stands to change the course of this investigation. That said, this is uh, an area of legal technicality that is outside my expertise. So, we will see uh, where this goes, but uh, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to reach any conclusion anytime soon because I don't think it's designed to reach a conclusion anytime soon. This is supposed well, yeah. to drag on for a long time. The media does what they always do, which is they jump to conclusions and then they propagandize the general public and then the general public, the stupid general public um, immediately forgets about the story. And so once the truth comes out, they don't even care anymore. Yeah. They've already carried that belief into their family systems, into their social networks, their teachers, their doctors. They've, they've already done all the damage. It doesn't matter what the truth is. They knew this from the beginning. I've seen like, Trump several... has some nuclear secrets. that. He, why would he even do that? That story seems to have disappeared now. <laughs> that was the yeah. claim from the Washington Post. It was nuclear secrets. And that's... It's just that reporting. There hasn't been any confirmation of that. But I think to your point, when you can create just this cloud of ambiguity and allow claims of certainty, even lacking evidence to be shot into that, um, things just become fact over time, even though they were never supported by any fact in the first place. It's just anonymous sources say, yeah, we need to start becoming anonymous sources. Well, well, yeah, we need to we need to start initiating a, a program of reverse propaganda. Fight we should have been doing fire. this 10 years ago. I don't know <laughs> why we're not doing this. Everybody on the right is so obsessed with the truth and whatever's <laughs> it's, true. It's a great principles. value. That's high up there. I'm a big fan. Yeah, I'm with you, though. But yeah. we but we do need to, to do some uh, reverse propaganda tactics at this point. Like, come on. Uh, well, you might say that the truth is a great counter propaganda. That said, um, it, it's lost a few rounds lately. I'll take your point that it has lost a few rounds. It doesn't mean that I want to uh, become a propagandist myself. I want the truth to win out. But uh, it's that's why tough. we need to go hard with this Biden molester thing. All right. That's true. That, that we Common ground right there. It's a it has true, a probable grain of truth. Yeah. but We really need to like. Amp it up to 11. All right, fine. There's our common ground. Great. Uh, I'm ready to uh, get into get into the super chat here. We'll take our first break. Uh, we are good on DLive. Thank you guys over there. I bought PN. Uh, no note, as always. Thank you. Do you just want to alternate? We're using our new system where we actually get our chats in order from either Tippy Stream or YouTube. So we don't have to. Let's do four and four. Okay. We'll probably mess that order up, but. Uh, I think it's easier than alternating. Right? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try it. Uh, and thank you, Mr. Ibot. Appreciate it. Oh, so I'll, I'll I am not going to be niggardly. Uh, Robin D. Banks says, it seems that the Fed boys have been creating a lot of trouble recently, breaking laws, being corrupt, etc. Wouldn't it be neat if we super chat things that we 
with super chat things we i guess know that throw a spanner in the works i'll start matt and i once made love we never do it from home we change mac addresses before connecting and use vpns the whole time wrap it before they tap it wow if you don't know what i mean google it uh i know enough of what you mean i'll just finish robin's here robin also says matt and i once made love we bought the book Open Source Intelligence Techniques, ninth edition by Michael Bazell, $45 on Amazon, to learn better hiding fake accounts and snoop tricks used by feds. Matt and I once made love. No, no, sorry. I got ahead of myself. Matt and I once learned how to set up full disk encryption. We also Googled how to wipe the empty space in our hard drives to make sure deleted things stay deleted forever. Bleach bit. And BC wipe are good. The old Hillary Clinton tactic, I take it. All right. Thank you for the uh, the technical tips, Robin. She also said, Matt and I once discussed oh, yeah. that the free VPNs gather your info and hand it over to the Fed were paid VPNs with strict no logging policies or better. No ability to log, period, are clearly superior. Um, and they want you blackpilled and weak-willed, but hope only dies if we let it. Bad people screwed up this country. But those of us who want can fix it. 2020 is the, 2022 is the year of the red pill. Say it with me. I will not. I will not say it with you. And, you, and all this VPN and all these You're jumping through You're very special. Hoops. Sorry. All this jumping through hoops. Um, You know, if, if they want to get you... They're they're gonna get you whether or not you're using a VPN, whether or not you're wiping your browser history. Like it doesn't matter. It, they seem it to have some ways. Yeah. Although yeah, it's, it's, I guess the VPN is protecting the Marjorie Taylor Green swatter so far. It's they could find that person. We'll see if they do. Um, Daniel Kunkel, since Hunter Biden's laptop is no longer Russian disinformation, and the FBI was involved in suppressing the story, can the FBI be held accountable? I'm guessing not. Their purpose is disinformation. Yeah. They, they're a board with no accountability, a it's, communist uh, agency in the United States government with no accountability. In fact, it's terroristic to call for the accountability. I think they're you're yeah. now on the watch list. Hmm. Um, the diag- this is Peter K. The Diagalon story out of Canada is a great example of using fifth generation generation warfare against the media and their ruling class masters. Feds are so desperate for villains. They end up chasing ghosts. Yeah, I this I, I had never heard of this until Wednesday. And apparently there's some plaid army in Canada. These guys who right. want like essentially, I, I guess, some kind of separation from the Canadian federal government, as far as I understand. They're in Alberta. It's just north of me and they all wear plaid. How do how have I not heard of these awesome plaid plaid clad Canadians? I don't know. I'm going to have to like do gym. more research. Yeah, it seems like I should uh, be friends with them. I do love Canada now. Um, Phil, of all the people complaining about the student loan forgiveness, Ben Shapiro is the last one who should talk. I'll read this. DGAF. He never complained when we were shelling out money to his ethnostate, but all of a sudden government spending is irresponsible. He has some... You're an asshat. Um, principal... Uh, how do I, uh, I... You take over. <laughs> I'll let Ben speak for himself. You're an asshat. Oh, I want to read this one about Shia LaBeouf, actually. Aeolian says, Shia LaBeouf has converted to Catholicism after studying the life of uh, St. Padre Pio for a movie. He had an hour-long talk with Bishop Barron, pray for the neophytes and its new Catholics. I always loved Shia LaBeouf. Always loved him. Even during the He Will Not Divide Us thing? I guess it was funny. I mean, It was funny. I just always thought that there was like something there with him. Hmm. And he's a great actor and... 
I just love that he's converted to Catholicism because he's been sober for like two or three years now. And he said his life, and then he had a daughter and he said his life has opened up with like a new clarity and he got me too. And so he came cause he choked his ex-girlfriend twigs and like beat her up and stuff. She probably was asking her name was twigs. Something like that. Yeah. I, I don't know who this person um, is. I think that it sounds like there's probably some like BDSM angle to all of this. He didn't listen like, to the safety word or whatever it's called. I don't know, but he came out with this like apology that wasn't a groveling apology. It was like, listen, I used to be addicted and like I took it too far with twigs. Like I fucked up. I used to be a real piece of shit, hmm. but like I'm trying to be a good man now. I've converted to Catholicism. And then Olivia Wilde came out and said something about her firing him from this movie because he got me too'd, but it was not true. And so he, in this apology, he's like, but fuck you, Olivia Wilde, you're lying. Oh, wow. I haven't yeah, followed awesome. closely, so I don't know whether to buy him as authentic or not, but I, I am. I'm, I believe it. I think he's converted. I, I believe it. I am refreshed by the welcoming, too. When we just talk about all these stories about how if you don't agree, if, you, if you've committed some ideological sin or you don't agree with these people, they cast you out to the Shadowlands. You are exiled. Get the hell out of here and never come back. And I think to the, I hate that stuff for a reason. If someone comes around to good ideas and I'm not saying Shia has. I haven't looked at it, but I'm granting the premise that maybe he's come around to a better worldview. Yeah. I want to be accepting of that and and uh, and welcoming to that because that's important. I don't I don't want to make uh, ideological enemies of people that can never be redeemed, even despite their their good faith efforts. Right. I think that he has an opportunity for repentance, and and you know the implication here was that he led a life of hedonism during his period of Judaism and now he's converted to Catholicism and he's trying to be a good man. So I think it's a good message for Christianity, right? I don't know. I don't know if Shia LaBeouf is your, is the best spokesman or not, but well, it, time I, will tell. And yeah. I also like this thing of him having a daughter and it changing his life. I think it's sweet. Hmm. Should we circle back? Uh, we can, we can, we can stop there. We got plenty more to talk about. Thank you guys for your Team patience. Um, um, I'll have to just circle back with you. Polaris is up next, right? I just want to mark where we left off so I don't lose it. Yeah. All right. Thank you for your patience, guys. We will come back to you toward the end of the show. For now, let's get uh, back into the news, which, of course, would be uh, student loans and the completely incoherent plan to relieve at least some of them. Um, perhaps you are a sucker like us and you paid off your student debt or perhaps you're a sucker who didn't go to college at all, but now you're on the hook to pay for other people who did to go get useless degrees that have no market value. The only way you aren't a sucker is if you fail to pay your debt. So once again, we construct a policy to punish good decisions and reward bad ones. And somehow we expect this to have positive <laughs> results. I want my money back. <sighs> well, you know, I, I don't know. I did see some technicals. Apparently if you had debt as of March, 2020, it's eligible for relief. I paid mine off in March of 2020. At this point, I don't give. A, I don't. I don't care. I'm not going back and trying to seek a refund from these people. But uh, it would be interesting if I was right on the deadline. Just coincidentally, thirty thousand dollars I paid off. Well, as we mentioned uh, on Wednesday, I have no regret about paying the debt that I signed up to say that I would pay. I, I do have a lot of. Um, well, I just on behalf of myself and on behalf of everybody who made smarter decisions, I have a lot of frustration with the idea that we're supposed to subsidize people who made poor decisions and that the solution, even if they were unjustly treated by some system that tricked them into thinking they'd have prosperous careers, that the solution is to raid the wallets of the rest of us to fix that. 
But uh, that's what we're going with. On Wednesday, Biden announced that the, all, all those poor people that, you know, who are earning under $125,000 annually are eligible for $10,000 in student debt cancellation, up to $20,000 for those who received Pell Grants. Those are federal need-based education uh, grants. So let me stop you right there, uh, Mr. Biden and the rest of the people making this plan. If you're earning over $100,000 a year and you can't pay off your debt, that is distinctly a you problem. That is not fraud. That is not interest. That is not terms of the loan. That is you ordering less avocado toast uh, avocado toast on DoorDash, whatever your indulgences may be. And perhaps you say, well, yeah, sure. But uh, there are some people earning $125,000 a year who are going to benefit, but that's not most of them. Uh, kind of. Maybe most yeah. is is too strong of a word, but there are lots who do fit that description. Um, so this is, again, this is White House. Uh, I believe these numbers in CNN here are from the White House itself, or maybe they're from the Wharton School. But Either way, the Wharton School is doing a lot of analysis on this. So um, according to these numbers, 69% of those eligible for the debt cancellation have household incomes of more than $51,000. As I mentioned earlier, I looked up the median household income for the country. That is, I believe, $67,000. Again, that's income for the household, not income for the individual. I'm unclear on the qualification here if they're talking household income Maybe, maybe for the case of current students, they are or whether they're talking personal income. In any case, a lot of people are are either personally earning or in situations earning in excess of $50,000 a year. That puts them right about on par with the median household income or in many cases, way, way above it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in, in, a, in roughly speaking, say half the cases, according to these numbers from the Wharton School, you have people you're going to have people of lesser means subsidizing people of greater means. And 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 this is in pursuit of a policy that they're claiming helps the poor and the downtrodden. The poor. Yep. A few specifics are actually available other than the debt will be erased for those eligible. But the total cost is unknown. The process for applying, if there even Ill, will be one or maybe it'll be automatic. That's unknown. Reforms to the system. Are we going to just continue doing this lunacy? You say it's a broken, fraudulent system, but we're just going to carry on. Do that. That's also unclear. Are we going to make any changes going forward? So, um, but, but the specifics don't really, they don't really do anything to justify the general anyway. It's completely immoral to steal from some people to pay the debts of others. And perhaps supporters of this policy say, well, what do you mean? They're not increasing taxes to do this. Well, number one, they may. Um, but number two, even if they're not directly taxing you to pay for this, how are they paying for it? We're going to have Green Jean-Pierre try to answer that. You're going to add to the debt. And that's debt that we all uh, share. So this is the yep. equivalent of your neighbor being grossly irresponsible with a credit card. And then we all, we all have some kind of monthly contribution to pay off what they couldn't afford, but they charged anyway. And maybe you think that sounds unfair. I think uh, a lot of us do. That sounds unfair. But if you think that you might not have listened to the president's very compelling explanation for just how fair it is at his announcement of this policy, reporters asked him, Hey, how is any of this fair? And here's his very convincing case about just how fair it actually is. Mr. President, is this unfair to people who paid their student loans or chose not to take out loans? Is it fair to people who, in fact, uh, do not own multi-billion dollar businesses and if they want these guys to give them all a tax breaks? Is that fair? What do you think? 
What about people who paid their loans, though, struggled to pay their loans, and now others don't have to? You see, had you what? thought of that? I don't even understand what his argument is here. Multi-billion dollar what? I tried. Okay, so in case you can't even understand what he's saying, what he said is, paraphrased, is it fair that the owners of multi-billion dollar corporations are getting tax breaks? Well, number one, uh, how about we pursue fairness by uh, just everybody stops paying taxes? How about that? That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. I'm be, in. <laughs> okay. But number two, are, are you... If I understand his reasoning, are you arguing that one injustice justifies another injustice? Mr. President, is it fair to murder people? Well, was it fair when Ted Bundy did it? No, it was not. So I, I, I don't but he's talking about something totally unrelated. Is, this is this is totally unrelated to, to student loans, and he's not making any other than there. by implication. He says wealthy people are getting a great deal. People of lesser means are not. But there's no direct relationship to student loans. No. In fact, as far as I understand his logic, he's saying there are all sorts of injustices built into our system. Therefore, this one is justified. Right. Which is nonsensical. Might as well. Hey, that other guy down the street committed a crime. I think I'll join the party. That's not how justice works. But uh, I, I guess I guess that's the argument. Um, I mentioned completely unclear how much this is going to cost. Even the White House doesn't claim to know the Penn Wharton budget model. uh says that one-time cancellation of $10,000 per elig- eligible borrower would cost roughly $300 billion, which is um, funny. The exact amount of deficit reduction they they claimed in the Inflation Reduction Act. So they've just canceled that out. And that's a low-end cost estimate, actually. The Wharton School of Business um, also estimates that the cost, uh, depending on the terms and depending on the specifics that they go with here, could be as much as a trillion dollars. If certain conditions are met, those conditions would be extending this bailout to current and future students. Uh, if we do that, we're looking at significantly more costs. So currently there's about one point seven five trillion dollars in student debt outstanding. And the committee for a responsible federal budget estimates that in just four years, if we do this, we erase ten thousand dollars for all these eligible borrowers in just four years. Outstanding debt would return to the same amount anyway. This is according to that CNN reporting. Uh, Now, White House domestic policy advisor and architect of this plan, Susan Rice, who you may remember from her Obama years. She says uh, the costs depend on whether or not people sign up. She says, quote, if 43 million borrowers take it up, well, that's different than if 50 percent of those 43 million borrowers take it up. So they don't even know what the terms of eligibility are or how to apply. They also don't know. I guess they're banking on maybe half of people will decide they don't want it. And maybe it'll cost less for that reason. These people are so desperate and they need the money because they're poor and downtrodden. But also we have no idea if they're going to sign up for this money that they so desperately need. Yeah. And again, if Biden can't explain it, if Susan Rice can't explain it, we're going to have to, again, go to uh, our expert immigrant lesbian communicator, Karine (sighs) Jean-Pierre, who just nodded herself up in a pretzel at the end of the week trying to explain it. She says the White House says that this is 100% paid for. You can count on that. But she doesn't know how much it's going to cost. And then when a reporter asked her, well, how do you know it's paid for if you don't know how much it's going to cost? She got really angry and bitchy. Check it out. But we do believe it will be fully paid for because of the because of the work that this president has done with the economy. So you could say this is how much it's going to cost if everyone who is eligible applies. I mean, don't have a, I, we just don't have a, a number to share at this time. Why don't you? 
we just have to see it is a process that we just need uh, to take to take a to take a look before we can answer that question. We just don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But I guess what I'm struggling with, and I think some of my colleagues have asked about is yeah, you asked the same you, question yesterday. This no, is nothing new, right? I this is a summary. Oh, okay, but you picked up on what he was saying. But so I was going to say, if you don't know how much it's going to cost, how can you guarantee that it's going to be paid for? What I can tell you <laughs> is this: is that. We have done the work to make sure that this is done in a fiscal responsible way and a balanced way. No, you how? Haven't... You don't know how much it's going to cost? How could you possibly <laughs> make any kind of um, statement that, that you're being fiscally responsible? We've done the work. Uh, yes. What was the bottom line of the work? We, we don't have that available. Well, Stop you asking. Haven't... You just took his question because you can't <laughs> think of your own question, you stupid woman. So Come a couple on. possibilities here. Either they actually don't know because this idea is so hasty. And so undercooked. That I they actually don't think it's that. I think it's the exorbitant cost. Yeah, that, that would be the other possibility that they know they have a good idea of how much this will cost. And they know that it's too politically damaging to reveal that number. So take your pick, but neither are good. And it's not even clear that this move is actually legal. So we have the moral issues of whether it's right to have people who didn't assume a debt be on the hook for paying that debt um, because the people who did can't afford to pay it. We have uh, the total lack of specifics in terms of what sort of liability we're even taking on here, what we can expect. We also don't know if it's if it's actually legal. Does the, the president have the power to unilaterally delete an arbitrary amount of debt that these borrowers contractually agreed to pay back? Uh, Biden is making this move based on federal law that dates back to the Obama administration. Under that law, Congress and the president agreed on funding for the student loan program. But critics who say that this is not legal argue that that uh, that nothing in that law allows the president to drastically change the terms of the loans in this way. Earlier this year in April, when this idea was floating around. Uh, there was a, a law professor, Tom Chapman, published an op ed that I'm looking at here explaining another issue. He writes that regardless of what the statute on this matter says, Article four, Section three of the Constitution gives Congress the right to, quote, dispose of property belonging to the United States, meaning the federal government. A debt is property, as understood, as, as he writes, by every court in America at the time of the constitutional writing and ratification in 1787 and today. Thus, uh, constitutionally, only Congress can dispose of that debt. No statute can override that constitutional clause, according to this law professor's argument. I don't know which of those is correct, but it does. I mean, if we have a fairly clear constitutional clause, it seems to me that you can't just override that either with a statute or with a presidential interpretation of a statute, which is what we're doing here. So it seems like this will almost certainly be challenged. At least there will be a desire to or an effort to. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the the question logistically is how, because, of course, right. to bring a lawsuit, you have to have standing as in some sort of direct negative effect that this policy had on you. And the Supreme Court has stated previously that general taxpayers don't have standing to sue the government. But the trouble is, in this case, that's exactly who is damaged is the taxpayer. <laughs> you can't sue from the taxpayer perspective, though. So. And state governments, we see a lot of action coming from state AGs. There's a lot of interest from state attorneys general in this case to do that. They likely don't have standing because the bailout doesn't impose a direct burden on their uh, finances or powers. Analysts in this Fox piece here say that perhaps the loan servicers might have the best standing. The federal government owns and runs these loans. 
but they do it through the administration of private loan servicers who are, of course, directly involved in the business of of the lending and the collecting on the payments and all of that. So maybe that's the route that uh, this goes through. It's totally unclear. Mm. One, the policy is totally unclear. Two, the, the avenue for challenging it is totally unclear. We have an absolute mess in terms yeah. of the law in front of us and in terms of just the finances of our country. Because I'm sure this is going to be have a positive. This is inflation reduction, too. If we <laughs> God, yeah, really. this is going to fix that, too. Well, I'll have more money in our pockets at the end of this, especially those of us that paid off our student loans. And, and the frustrating thing about this, too, the whole premise we heard Biden say there, oh, the, all these kids are or actually we'll hear in a moment. I haven't got to that clip. Uh, he talks about how this is all fraud. This whole system is broken. These colleges are tricking kids into believing that they're going to get high paying jobs and it's all a fraud scheme. Well, if that's true, then why do we not have reforms for the whole system articulated? They're saying yeah. they might have the education department do that. But as of now, we have no uh, specific changes that are going to be made either to our entire university system or to the the loans that we use to finance this operation. Uh, Biden does say he's doing that in some general terms. He says he's holding the colleges accountable, unlike his predecessors. We're holding colleges accountable for jacking up costs without delivering value to students. We've all heard of those schools luring students with a promise of big paychecks when they graduate, only to watch these students be ripped off and left with mountains of debt. And my predecessors looked the other way, for some reason, with good reason, uh, to do anything about this fraud. For some reason, with good reason. That's a classic <laughs> Biden saying. Uh, but how is he holding the, the universities and the colleges accountable by pumping them even more full of federal money? Yeah. The reason they aren't accountable, if you if I grant any premise there, is exactly because we've subsidized their operation through the federal government, meaning they don't have to be market accountable. They can have all these ridiculous major programs that have no market value because they're held up by a system of federal financing mm -hmm. that does not depend on whether they produce graduates who are market viable or not. Yeah. The federal involvement here is exactly why the degrees are worth less and less. That's why the cost of tuition and all the other costs associated with going to college are spiking. When you increase everyone's buying power, guess what also increases demand? Guess what also increases cost? Mm -hmm. The accountability for colleges in this case, I I'm bringing accountability. The accountability will be, Tuition prices increasing by exactly $10,000 very soon. Yeah, exactly. And if this was fraud again, why would we continue the system? The system's fraudulent, but I'm not going to change it. I, I, according to the Washington Post guide here on the whole program, they say even students who are borrowing now might be eligible. Loans that must have uh, to, to be eligible for forgiveness. Loans must have originated before July 1st. So you might be if you had taken out loans going into your freshman year before July 1st this year. You might be eligible, but it says nothing about, say, someone who's going to go to college next year, say fall of 2023. You're going to borrow the exact same way the exact same on the way, exact yeah. same terms. Nothing is going to change about that, at least so far. The whole system's a fraud, but we're going to keep doing it. I um, I want to speak briefly. I know we're probably tight on time, but this whole the White House also took this bizarre step of going after critics of this, congressional critics of this and saying, oh, you guys took PPP loan money. You guys took Corona bucks. These were the Corona bucks given to businesses in exchange for maintaining your employment through the government shutdowns in 2020. And, and so the White House just became so politically vindictive that they were going to out all of these congressmen and women 
who took these PPP loans as though if you took PPP loans, you're a hypocrite if you say that we shouldn't bail out student debt. Now, beyond the ridiculousness of the official White House account going haywire in this way, isn't it possible that both are bad? (laughs) Can we have that opinion? We shouldn't do either. There are plenty of people on this list of hypocrites they're exposing who um, who opposed the student debt bailout and also opposed government shutdowns and bailouts then. Maybe not members of Congress, but plenty of people in the general public. Regardless, the terms of these things are entirely different. Government uses force uh, and uh, to punish you if you keep your business open. That's the circumstance that we had. And then government offers you a deal to keep those jobs that would be lost as a result of the government exercise of force. You don't really have much of a choice in that situation. The government is saying, I'm exerting force on you either way. Do you want to keep these jobs or, or do you not? Um, it's just in one case, you get some of the money back that they stole from you in the first place. The terms of these loans were entirely different as well. PPP was forgivable from the onset by design. The deal was take this loan, pay your employees. As long as you don't fire people, we will forgive the debt. That was the term when the line was signed. That's not the case for the student loans. There's no term in the student loan that says that we're just rewriting the terms on a whim and the reason we're rewriting the terms on a whim is because it's all just a, a big giveaway. It's a giveaway to a particular voting block that they want to uh, that they want to court. It's just another election time gimmick. And I, I would emphasize to anybody who loves this move, either morally because you think it helps the poor or something, or you think it's the you think it's legally justified to do this. Whatever your reasoning, um, if you think that this is such a clearly beneficial move and you think that they agreed with you the whole time, why did they wait about a year and a half to do this? What, what is yeah. it about now that is causing them to do this? And why don't they have a clear plan to do it? It does seem like just a plate of spaghetti thrown at the wall before the election. Please, we'll give you more stuff. And and again, if you're the sort of person that does buy into the theory that we need to make college more accessible, it's it's uh, an educated society is a value for its own sake and we should pursue it. Those are things that I'm somewhat sympathetic to you don't make college more accessible by just pumping it full of more federal dollars in fact why would we want to make college more accessible anyway well i i I do agree that education is a good thing for for its own sake but i'm not sure that i i shouldn't say i'm not sure not to the extent that we ought to upend the market entirely through a whole bunch of I reject federal this nonsense. premise that modern education is the same thing as historical education anyway. Yeah. Uh, nobody's getting smarter from going to college right now. Uh, I wouldn't say nobody, but, but again, it's one of those things where I don't think you're way off. Um, because we've made these places totally market unaccountable. I mean, do we have doctors? Do we have lawyers? Do we have engineers? Do we have people who are learning valuable skills? Yeah. Do we also have gender studies people? Uh, and pink hair studies that are contributing nothing and achieving nothing and yet are getting tons of money off the backs of the plumber and the carpenter and everybody else. Yeah. That, David Hogg goes to Harvard. Yeah, Clearly okay. it means nothing anymore. All right, fine. Destroy the whole system. I'm with you. Yeah. Burn it down. <laughs> no, I, I guess I should clarify. Like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in a general abstract sense about the value of education. I'm not saying praise for this system in particular, because I'm fully aware that this has become an indoctrination factory by and large at this point. Oh, so all schooling has. Um, well, there's, I, you mean like all public institutions or what do you mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, people would clearly be 
way better off if they were minimally educated in the home by their average intelligence parents than having to reverse decades of indoctrination starting in kindergarten. There's value of working with your hands too. A, a lot of education is work. You learn by doing a lot of important things. And, and I, again, I value the education that I had. Um, and I think it was valuable for what I do now. And I think it was valuable for critical thought, but I didn't learn how to build things. I didn't learn how to fix mm-hmm. things. And that's necessary and valuable too. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you have to say about uh, this particular episode in the downfall of our country? I'll be waiting for my check for thirty grand. Uh yeah. Well, maybe you maybe you look into it and uh, see if see when your payoff date. Maybe it aligns no, I, with eligibility. I paid them off by like twenty fifteen. Like, oh yeah, you're screwed. Yeah, yeah you're, you're definitely screwed. Uh okay. Tell me about uh, the Gavin raid. As I mentioned, it's not like we have special information, but this was, I do have the clip also, by the way, of him on air. So he was filming Get Off My Lawn on Thursday and he stands up and uh, he's like, we're shooting a show. Um, Can we do this another time? And then he says, like, I need a lawyer. We're going to sit down and have a conversation about this. And then he says, I didn't let you in. And it's a lot of muffled stuff, um, but it's, very obvious that some sort of a police FBI thing. Initially I was like, Oh, he got swatted, but we would have heard from him by now. He's been um, off the radar since Thursday. I've had no update as of like five hours ago. He also Uh, probably wouldn't. Oh, well, I guess he might ask for a lawyer in a swatting case, I suppose, depending on what they say. But yeah, Uh, I do. Yeah. He probably wouldn't ask for a lawyer in a swatting case. Those seem more clear cut. And then he would have come out and talked about it. However, if he were arrested by the FBI, wouldn't he be on some sort of suspect list? There would be some publicly available information about that. He's just MIA. This is not a hoax. That's been confirmed by people that work on a show. Um, Yeah, let's watch the clip. Here's what it looked like uh, live on Thursday. We're shooting a show. Can we do this another time? All right, I'm happy to do that. Let's, uh, I'll get a lawyer and we will sit down and have a conversation. We'll schedule a meeting and we'll sit down with my lawyer. I didn't let you in. That's pretty much it. It is longer, but as far as audible things that you can hear, that's basically it. Right. And his show on Monday, he mentioned that he keeps spotting unmarked police cars out of his house. And he said, today I go outside. My neighborhood is not downtown. It's a lonely suburb. There's an unmarked police car parked in front of my house. So I walk over to it and I go, how we doing? <laughs> And they look very uncomfortable. Now I've reported cars like this before to the police and law enforcement has made no announcement or disclose any details of McInnes's arrest, which is customary if somebody is arrested by local law enforcement or the FBI. So I don't know what's going on here. I um, My instinct is to say that he probably is getting arrested because of his ties to to the Proud Boys. That's They're what, getting him on some Rico thing or something like that. It seems like that that might be it. And at first, I when I first saw this news, I thought, is this in Canada? Is this the Mounties no, busting no. him up? It's, it's confirmed it's that that New was York. in the Bronx. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty worried. Not just because I like Gavin and everything like that, but if they're arresting Gavin on some bullshit charge, I've met a lot of Proud Boys. They are not an intimidating bunch. Like this whole thing about the Proud Boys being a, a white supremacist organization with like all these militia types. It's so fucking preposterous. So I think that what's probably happening is it's like Gavin McInnes and they're just going to start trickling down 
until all of us get arrested for whatever the fuck. Um, It'll be uh, not six degrees of Kevin Bacon, six degrees of January 6th. And we'll all be connected somehow. Uh, Yeah, he's been denouncing the Proud Boys for like years and it didn't protect him. Yeah, I remember that when when he was all but forced to disavow the Proud Boys. And we talked about that on the stream. And dude, like it's so bad. They're not even they're not even that based over there. Like they're not (laughs) saying anything that crazy. Yeah. Um, he's just, but they're having barbecues and they're saying feminism has gone a little too far. I know it's, it's 2022 and he's still talking about feminism and stuff like that. And like, (laughs) like Western chauvinism, like what are they going to do about people that have, that have been publicly talking about the JQ and stuff like that? Those people are fucked. Uh, yeah, well, uh, we're all, we're all facing consequences for our wrong thing, I suppose. England's going to be toast. I mean, like everybody that has talked about anything since 2015 is, is going to be screwed if, th- if this is actually what they got him on i, I yeah I, it, it sounds like based on what his friend josh denny is saying um he he tweeted i just got off the phone with our people it's not a bit so there's people in the know or people who work with gavin gavin was against going to january 6th he was against charlottesville he told the proud boys that were there they were out of the club if they went uh and he's rotting away in jail because he dared to question authority so that would imply that there's something to do with proud boys charlottesville january 6th he also had a whole bunch of uh, media in- uh, inquiries. Josh Denny did. He said, why would any of us speak to you when we know you're going to lie anyway? This is why none of us are saying shit. So that's why basically nobody who knows anything is talking about this. We've had years of unsolicited media training by these fucking propagandists. So <laughs> read between the lines on his commentary. It does seem like he knows a thing or two. Draw your own conclusions. And of course, everybody's speculating this is about January 6th and the Proud Boys. And it probably actually is. But here's a possible sleeper explanation. Um, what if it's related to black Hitler Ghazi Kodzo because of his sodomy charge and it might be both actually but Ghazi recall as we've discussed was arrested uh, on an alleged kidnapping murder rape scheme with his black hammer group in Georgia last month now Ghazi and Gavin have worked together in the past including a cooperative black hammer proud boy alliance against um, vaccine mandates with public Mm -hmm. events this was uh, yeah. that post was from December. And again, it could be both because uh, Ghazi is actually somehow himself implicated in January 6th. Now, the Capitol Hunters, which is a Twitter account that tracks January 6th investigations and prosecutions, noted at the end of July that a new indictment of a Russian operator and influencer who was involved with Black Hammer and, and Ghazi Kodzo. So this Russian guy is getting charged by the DOJ for January 6th whatever and he had associations with Ghazi Kodzo Ghazi Kodzo is named uh in those charges the uh the account alleges that the Black Hammer Proud Boys cooperation was Russian funded as well so maybe maybe Black Hitler has something to do with it this all stinks what uh they're going after Marjorie Taylor Greene too she got swatted twice she got swatted twice it's because of this tranny thing so this happened on I guess I'll talk about the first one um, this was on Wednesday in the middle of the night uh, by an alleged opponent of her stance on transgender rights. So I assume a tranny, but who knows? That's what this police says. And so that caller said that a man had been shot multiple times in her bathtub. And so they came and they're like, yeah, dead guy in your bathtub. And she's like, fuck off. And then again on Thursday, middle of the night, 3 a.m., um, they call the police and say that there's a male possibly shooting his family members and then himself. The suspect who called through an internet chat that appeared to be a suicide crisis line 
told police responders that a man came out as transgender and claimed they shot the family at Green's address. And they said, if anyone tried to stop me from shooting myself, I'll shoot them. Um, And they said their name was Wayne Green and warned that they would be waiting for the police. And so they met her at her front door, the police. They explained the situation, and then they confirmed that it was a second false report. So these are organized swatting attempts. The the name being designed to match with the name on the residence, I suppose, Wayne Green. All right. Uh, I did see in the New York Post reporting here, too, that that this this call that went through a suicide crisis line uh apparently the person used a vpn and the police have been unable to track that person and um at first i thought the transgender motive was speculated just because that was mentioned by the caller i guess later a caller using a computer generated voice called the police to say explicitly they are upset about mrs green's political views on transgender youth rights recall she just introduced a bill was it this week or last, but she wants to federally ban uh, transgender, what they call um, gender affirming care. But what we're really talking about is hormones, surgery, puberty blockers for children. She's introducing a bill in Congress to ban that federally. And so it would appear that would have something to do with this. But uh, all right. So investigation ongoing there. We'll see if they find who the real Wayne Green is through there. VPN uh, investigation. Man. Uh, You ready for hoax hate? I have plenty. Sure do. Sure am. That's what I meant. (laughs) Spend time of night. And now the nobody saw it happen, but it's totally a product of Trump's America hoax hate crime of the week. Ah, shit. It's backwards. Those racist Mormons. That's what's going on here in Sandy, Utah, south of Salt Lake. In fact, we have multiple racist Mormon stories tonight. I just realized. Okay. The first racist Mormon story in Sandy, Utah. This is south of Salt Lake. A man named Robert Smith says his landscaping was poisoned, he believes, in response to his pro-refugee anti-racist flag. And he says he has caught this plant assassin on his security camera. They started on the street side, uh, very low, uh, and we just couldn't quite figure out what was happening. For nearly five months, Robert Smith has been trying to figure out why his landscape is dying. And so we put cameras up uh, to monitor uh, while we were away or asleep, and lo and behold, we found some suspicious activity. On Monday, Smith's security cameras captured a man in a golf cart driving around his house (laughs) at 2 a.m. We saw this fellow come very close and very slow right next to the curb, and you see some motion, some throwing motion. I don't know if it's borax or what it is, but there's something that's killing the trees. Smith believes his family is being targeted because of the messages they choose to display. Some people uh, come by and bring their animals by to defecate on our yard, and they've told us that they didn't like our BLM flag or they didn't like our will trade racist for refugees flag. Dead bushes and trees are stacking up. Smith says he's fed up and he's ready to go to police. This type of behavior shouldn't be acceptable in a community that's tight-knit. Shouldn't be acceptable in a community that is about respecting thy neighbor. This is real. You think so? Yeah. Uh, okay. I Do you want to state your reasons why you think it's real, or you want me to go through the rest of the fact pattern? Because it seems like 
like a Mormon take on vandalism. That's like uh. adorable vandalism. <laughs> Like I'm gonna let my no. my Maltese take a shit on your lawn. It would be Mormon if they, if they used weed be gone on the weeds in his lawn to teach him a lesson. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, maybe yeah, okay. I think this is legit. First of That's all, it's a his, really aggressive flag. His flag. Well, <laughs> I hope he gets all the refugees he wants, so he can reminisce take about when his biggest problem was that uh, he had some some dying shrubs in his yeah. landscaping. I hope his wish comes true. But uh, but I want to be clear about the timeline because it's awfully suspicious here. This, he says, has been happening for five months. He only just put up cameras after five months. On August 15th, he caught the guy in the golf cart, which I don't think is even clear evidence of what he's talking about. I don't see the dispersal of some kind of poison or something like that. But he um, he went to police a week after that. So five months passed. Then he installs cameras. Then he gets footage. Then he waits a week to go to police. And he kind of does it indirectly through this news report at the end. Now he's ready to go to police. He went to the media first. Kind and it, the, the end of the story reads, Smith says he didn't file a police report right away because he didn't want to level accusations against a neighbor without evidence. But now that he has it, he's ready to go to police. Yeah, but he went to the media first. Yeah. And he's had the evidence for a week. Oh, I wouldn't want to level accusations. You, you've had the evidence and you've just been sitting on it. Um, and golf carts... Don't have an incredible range. I gather that you can transport them through other means, but I would wager that that golf cart is somewhere in the neighborhood. Uh, you could probably find it pretty easily. And this guy has caught at least twice this golf cart man driving through his name. Why is nobody just camped out to catch golf cart man in the act? Why has this guy evaded investigation thus far? He should be very easy to find, especially if he does this regularly and he's done this for five months to the degree that your trees out front are dead. Just right. hang, just do camp outside one night, put up a tent and wait until golf cart man comes by to, to crack this case, but they can't crack it. That's very odd. Mm. Uh, a racist golf cart uh, plant poison man is, is on the loose in Sandy still. So, all right. Uh, any any other thoughts you had on that one? I'm calling it real. Okay, I will come back to the story if if he is ever if he is ever detained. This one's it's quick. I mean, this one's <laughs> this one's just classic. You see these all the time in Atlanta. A gay pride rainbow crosswalk was installed uh, after the Pulse nightclub shooting in 2016, but that was vandalized with a swastika on Wednesday, uh, August 17th. Police cleaned up that swastika. But the swastika was painted again on Friday, August 19th. There was also an anti-gay slur this time. 30-year-old Jonah Sampson was arrested on Friday after a multi-hour SWAT standoff at his apartment. And as you can see, Sampson is not uh, the hateful, hooded white man you might expect to uh, spray such a swastika. Indeed, he is a Nazi of color. We've seen a rise in Nazis <laughs> of color in recent years. Sampson faces vandalism, trespass, and interference with government property charges. He is being held on nearly $80,000 bond for the charges. The Little League World Series. Do you have any thoughts on that? I was This one's just so cookie cutter that I. Yeah, it's pretty standard. Standard stuff. But anytime I see a swastika on the rainbow crosswalk, it's noteworthy. This one. How do we have four of these this week? All right. These next two are sports involved. And this one, this one's different. I promise you this is not the same. The Little League World Series has been on for the last few weeks. And Little League World Series officials say there was, quote, no ill intent. After a video of players from the Iowa team sticking cotton-like material 
on a black teammate's head drew backlash on online. Here was uh, the video of a break in the action on ESPN. It's just little leaguers being little leaguers right there. Hey, next week's Sunday night baseball matchup should be a good one. Atlanta and St. Louis. Cardinals leading the Central. They finish up that three-game series at Bush, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific, ESPN, Deportes, and Radio. And we'll start with 6 Eastern baseball tonight, Sunday night countdown. But it's it's black guys doing it. It's black kids. Who cares? <laughs> it was... It was uh treated as though it was some kind of hazing ritual even though everyone involved is clearly enjoying the ritual uh, the iowa baseball team there says as players they had uh, a stuffed animal and they were pulling stuffing out of it quote in an attempt to emulate the white mohawk of the hawaii team's star player who they think is a great player with a very cool hairstyle so they were honoring this opposing player who has some kind of mohawk Holy shit, who cares? Unfortunately, the cameras did not show the boys putting stuffing on the heads of multiple players or the black player laughing and loving his new look. Um, A spokesperson for the Little League World Series says in a statement that while officials understood how the incident, quote, could be perceived as racially insensitive, the organization was assured after having spoken with the child's mother and coaches that there was no ill intent behind the action shown during the broadcast, giving legitimacy the correct answer is no, I don't understand how anyone could possibly perceive this as a racist act. You're a lunatic. That's the that's the yeah. correct <clears throat> response. I'm actually surprised if you heard the uh, broadcaster at the start there. He said, that's just little leaguers being little leaguers. That's way too close to the N word. I think they should go after him for. I know. I was like, is he going to say it? <laughs> it's that uh, the spirit of what he's saying in combination with the cotton image. Uh, you know, but uh, Again, I, I get that no one was punished in this situation, but just giving legitimacy to this in the context of a children's league, we are teaching these children that that sort of insane sensitivity is valid. And that's that's really unfortunate. There will but, be a uh, backlash. I hope we can't so. Continue. I, like how much more sensitive can younger people get than they are right now? Yeah. Eventually they're going to be like, this is lame. I'm not doing this anymore. I, I hope those I hope they do the same thing. I don't know. I hope they up the stakes and do uh an actually racist thing on camera, just to <clears throat> correct the record next time. I mentioned that we'd return to the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the racist, uh, the racist Mormons. They're at it again. <laughs> it was opening weekend for college volleyball and, a, and there was a match between Duke and Brigham Young uh, University in Provo, Utah. Uh, the uh, a black Duke player, Rachel Richardson and her godmother claimed that Rachel Rachel was heckled with n-word slurs throughout the match lessa pamplin is rachel's godmother and a texas-based lawyer and she says that rachel who is duke's only black starting player was called the n-word every time she served the ball and was threatened by a white male who told her to watch her back going to the team bus and a police officer had to be put by the bench to stand guard excuse me I don't know what this frog is right now, but uh, working through it. Rachel Richardson's father uh, has spoken, has spoken out criticizing BYU for not doing more during the event, not removing the heckler during the game. BYU Athletics issued an apology and says it uh, it is banned the offender from all campus athletic venues. BYU did not name this person, but they have said that this person is not a student, although the person was sitting in the student section. And listen to this statement from the school, BYU. Quote, when last night's behavior was initially reported by Duke, there was no individual pointed out 
and despite BYU security and event management's efforts, they were not able to identify a perpetrator of racial slurs. It wasn't until after the game that an individual was identified by Duke who they believed were uttering the slurs and exhibiting problematic behaviors. So do you, do you know what this sounds like? What? The dinger situation. Exactly. It's exactly like that. Oh, I think. Okay. Yeah. I think it's if people, oh, you, you wrote that down there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, if this has any legitimacy, it's like the, the guy at the Rockies game last year. Dinger. Hey, uh, the Rockies mascot, dinosaur yeah. triceratops. Your name is Dinger. And, Nobody at the scene was offended, but then after the fact, the clip circulated on Twitter and everyone was convinced they heard the N-word. And that guy had to be brought to justice, even though he did nothing wrong. We might be looking at something very similar here, or it could be a completely baseless claim. And the school, BYU, not because they're ruthless racists, but because they're so because they're so polite that they're actually spineless, might have just themselves made up a story to say that they did something about this. So recap the facts here. No specific person was accused during the game. The school only believes this is the person after the fact, which implies they they don't have any proof. They believe this is the person. They don't have any proof. How did they identify this person? And if it was going on all game as alleged, indeed, the person making this accusation on Twitter says it got louder and louder as the game went on. How is it possible that they don't have any proof? 5,500 people attended this event. There are no witnesses to support this claim thus far. Mm. The entire game was streamed live. You can watch it on YouTube. There's no evidence in the YouTube video, multiple angles, right. that anybody did this. The school just apologized and apparently banned a ghost is what happened. I wonder if they just made up a story that sounds like plausible justice to clear themselves. That'd be fine. I'd be fine with that. It should also be noted that Lessa uh, Pamplin, the, the woman who's the godmother of the player who made this claim, it, it looks like she wasn't even at the game because she tweeted this claim from Texas where she lives. So unless she was at the game and then didn't make any statement about this until she got back home to Texas, she was not there. She did not witness any of this. It should also be noted that uh, Lessa Pamplin is running for running to be a judge in Texas, in Dallas, the uh, county criminal court. She's a political candidate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, the photo that she posted, her mm. her goddaughter is wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. So there are a lot of ideological needs being satisfied by this story. Um, and, uh, but, we're, you know, we're still going to act like this is totally legitimate despite any actual evidence that this happened. The original tweet has 185,000 likes over the weekend. LeBron James retweeted it. Saying that, uh, saying to Lessa Pamplin, the woman who posted it, tell your goddaughter to stand tall, be proud, and continue to be black. Thank God. I thought she was going to quit being black for a second there. Good Lord. We are a brotherhood and a sisterhood. We all have your back. This is not sports. Recall, of course, LeBron James almost certainly hoaxed hate against himself a few years ago. In 2017, LeBron claimed racist graffiti had been spray painted on on the gate of his L.A. mansion. I think we might have covered it at the time. Six months later, uh, Clay Travis over at OutKick followed up. This was his uh, report at the time. LAPD confirmed back then they had no new info six months after the allegation. Nothing ever came of it. So I'm not going to believe LeBron as a a voice for authenticity on this uh, particular claim. And uh, you're exactly right that if I believe there's any legitimacy to this, it's a guy was saying something that kind of sounded like that. Yeah. And it was misinterpreted. In the case of the Dinger thing, 
Uh, everybody on Twitter was wondering, how is it possible this guy is just openly openly yelling the N-word and nobody around him seems to react? Well, it's it's you mishearing it. Yeah. They're sitting Doing right next to him. what you want to hear. And they can hear it clearly. Mm-hmm. And it's not the N-word. Yep. So unless, uh, I don't know, were you at the game? Maybe you were in the stands just yelling the N-word, trying to Let us know. stir up some. Oh, I meant you specifically, not the audience. Oh, me? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were asking the audience. Yes, my, I was there because I love sports. Women's, women's sports. sports. What about women's volleyball? Do they, is, is that acceptable? No, I don't care about any of those. Yeah. Better than the WNBA, isn't it? Yeah, fine, whatever. It's all crap. All right. Well, we're running out of time, so let me make sure we get to our... Uh, our movie review, because it is that time. In a world of movie references flying over his head, one man will finally watch them. This is the Matt and Blonde Show movie review. This week's movie is the 2019 World War I thriller 1917, in which two young British soldiers are tasked to deliver an urgent message to call off an attack on retreating Germans before two battalions charge to their deaths from movie picker Derek. It's a great film that came out a few years ago. It's one of the few films about the First World War. The score is amazing. The story, excellent and fantastically shot. Great acting from newer actors George McKay and Dean Charles Chapman, who also played Tommen. In Game of Thrones, I knew I recognized that guy from somewhere, and that is what it Tommen. is. Tommen. Tommen is is a uh, spoiler alert. Game of Thrones spoiler alerts in case you haven't seen Game of Thrones. Tommen is is uh, Joffrey's younger brother who jumps to his death. Oh, right. Later in the series, right? Yeah. Ah. Okay. Yeah. As always, your uh, your review and your rating. The last movie I saw in theaters before COVID, I think. I thought Joker was. At least it was for me. No, I also saw Emma at some point. Anyway, oh. it's one of the last movies I saw um, in theaters. This movie had some great elements. So I, I love the single shot perspective. Um, it was really beautifully shot. That was fantastic. The score was great. And it captured the horrors of war in in a way that other war films um, have failed like I, I did like the graphic violence, but a lot of it was about the psychological turmoil of witnessing these horrible events. Um, but okay, it wasn't without its problems. Like this this plot line of them sending these these two seemingly incompetent underlings to do this massive mission, like just because the dude's brother was in this unit. I was like would they do that? And then I was like, this is so unrealistic. But then I also thought if it was truly a suicide mission, then that's exactly who they would send. So maybe I'm splitting hairs on this one. I don't know. I'll wait until I see what you have to say. Maybe I'm splitting hairs. I, I liked it. I did. Um, but I just thought that that was like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I, I gave it a four to five, but depending on what you say i might i might downward revise <laughs> right. that to a three out of five but four out of five for right now we're actually very very close for very similar reasons uh so i will reverse my typical order and i will say uh, up front that i did give it a three okay and right. it, there are different types of threes three could be apathy like i don't know i just didn't it was fine i didn't hate it i didn't love it this is one of those threes where there are things I love and things I hate. And there are a few of the things that you identified. Um, presentationally, I actually love this movie. 
um, specifically as I, I share the appreciation of the, of particularly the opening shot. That's it's almost like you're walking with these soldiers right along yeah. in the trenches. It's like a 10 minute uninter uh, shot without any cuts. And that's difficult to do just from a, a filming perspective, but for the actors to do that performance without messing up is also difficult. And so that presentation was great. Uh, the color in this movie was really interesting. It was this like desaturated kind of drab look, except for the yeah. earth tones were very vivid. And that yeah. created this cold, muddy effect that really presented that environment really well, which I, I really liked. The The last scene, Schofield's run, even if I think some of the plot points are silly, as I'll get to, the scene itself of him running with all the soldiers charging, the bombs exploding. I was reading about that and how difficult that was to achieve. Apparently, every take took five hours to reset with the dynamite and all this. Seriously? And then when he actually did the running in the scene that's in the movie, he he collides with a couple soldiers. That was unscripted, mm. but the the actor um, who who portrays Schofield did not break character. He just got up and kept running, and I appreciated that there was an authenticity to that scene, even if I think the situation is sort of preposterous. There was an authenticity physically to that scene that came out because of I think the actor's commitment to completing it, even if it didn't go exactly as planned, which I liked. Um, I don't think this movie's like a deep thinker, but there was one point I appreciated. I just was thinking about the the need not to complain about your fate. Uh, Schofield early on when they're going through those German uh, trenches that they arrive at is complaining to uh, Blake, the the guy who dies, the Tommen guy, um, just about oh this mission is way too much for us. I don't know. I didn't know what I was getting into, and he's kind of persuaded not to complain as much and to get past it. But in the end, of course, all of his complaints are, uh, they're, they're reformed into motivation to, to complete just unstoppable motivation to complete the mission. And I thought there was a lot of value in just realizing that even if your circumstances are completely unfair, or even if they're not exactly what you were expecting, or even if they're deadly sitting around and complaining about them is not the path out. You either get up and you try to get through it or you die trying. Those are the options. And I, I liked that theme of the movie. Uh, I liked okay. that message and that was cool. Um, as far as what I didn't like, it's not actually presentation. It's the writing. It's the concepts. It's the plot points uh, related to what you had said. And I, I understand war movies by their very nature. The genre is going to include incredible feats against nearly impossible odds. I uh, thought his, is it though? his lack of injury, despite getting blown up in his face, despite cutting his hand and sticking it in a dead body, despite jumping over a waterfall, despite running away from the worst German rifleman of all time who constantly miss him. All right. I can believe, I guess, that he didn't get a very serious injury. The main premise, as you identify, though, is what's really silly to me, that you have this crucial mission that on the lives of thousands of men depend on this and you give it to these two inexperienced Lance corporals. Uh, that just does not make a lot of sense to me. Um, and, and what makes even less sense is the first uh, Blake dies and then Schofield yeah. gets picked up by another unit. He says nothing about how crucial his mission is and then just leaves that other unit. And I get, See, uh, yeah. was it supposed to be secret? But even if it's supposed to be secret communication is the point of the mission. Why would it, why would it be secret? That doesn't make any sense. Every British soldier in the area, every British officer, your priority should be getting this message to the men who need it. Right. It also just didn't make a lot of sense that we have this British, we have a couple British battalions that are nine miles beyond this German line 
but we also don't know if that German line is manned or not. It's just like if it's so difficult for them to get to this point where the British battalions are, how, how would did, they even know? Yeah. And how did I, those I, British I battalions that, get there? That they should have had more information. They must have had more information to know to even send him on this mission. Right? It just didn't, it didn't make a lot of sense. I also hated the side quests. It's like, Oh, I'm going to play peekaboo with a baby. And my wife and I thought, well, maybe he's, thinking he's going to die. So he wants to have this kind of precious moment with an infant thinking he may never have that. But then at the end, he looks at pictures of his wife and children. He's had that moment. Yeah. I, mean, I, I you know, maybe, I guess maybe the pictures were sent to him, but I, he, he has a family. He has children. Why is he taking this baby appreciation time? Um, why are they sitting around at the, the abandoned farm with the cow for like 15 minutes just to have a German uh, pilot get shot down and come stab him? Why is that necessary? Even the fight with the sniper, it's like, okay, maybe neutralizing a sniper is important to advance, but he just runs away from riflemen in a whole bunch of other contexts. Uh, why did he need to spend like God knows how many hours getting knocked out by a quick draw contest with a sniper in this house? Yeah. There's too many side quests when the whole point of the of the movie, the whole point of the plot is urgency. And there's all these distractions that are explored. Yeah. Um and then last point, uh, there's, <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't pick up on this. Actually, there's plenty of implausible diversity. Um, there are plenty of black British soldiers, which were almost non-existent at the time, though. The Is ones there, I don't remember this at all. Oh yeah. But I haven't seen it. I didn't rewatch it because I remember it being highly disturbing. And so I was ah. like, I'm not rewatching it. There are, there are a fair amount of black British soldiers, which did exist, but they had their own units and they were in a, they were not in this, uh, on these European lines at the time. Also the Sikh guy. They also had uh, British Indian Army units, but they were uh, removed from Europe by 1915 and, and they were uh, sent to the Middle East. You know, it's not that I demand perfect historical accuracy on every every front in a historical it's pretty movie. important. But it's like, why are you doing this other than this forced diversity nonsense? Because yeah. it just doesn't it doesn't really make sense other than to say we have to have a quota of certain people of color portrayed or something like that. So. This is one of those movies that um, I'm not apathetic about. So things I love, things I absolutely hate, and it just evens out to a three for me. Okay. Okay. I'll allow it. So I don't know what people thought of this. I'll be curious to see early vote. Um, people give it a four, four and four and five in the early vote. So more positive than me, and right aligned with you. Uh, next week, No Country for Old Men. I have not seen it. Have you? I have many okay. times. All right. Uh, and then, of course, the nominations for the rest of September after that uh, are The Green Mile, Anchorman, Nightcrawler, 10 Cloverfield Lane, Hereditary, It Comes at Night, Side Effects, or, of course, you can reject the list and vote for a randomly selected top-rated movie instead. I really don't want to watch Hereditary. I don't know anything about it. I haven't seen it, but I, I, really, I really don't want to watch it. You can't it, so. influence the vote with what you do or don't want. I can. I don't make me watch that. You're an election denier. I am. Didn't you hear I Liz deny this election. <laughs> if you'd like to, uh, as a reminder, if you'd like to read my movie reviews, comment how wrong I am, submit your own rating, vote for the next movie and sign up for the chance to be the movie nominator for the month. The one and only place to do it is in my weekly movie review column linked in the description and on the homepage of the website. That's Matt Christensen media dot com. That will do it. Let's catch up with our chatters. Am I up or sure. are you up? I'll go. Polaris 589. 
whichever one of you super chatters are running the New Hampshire Libertarian Party Twitter account, you have a lot of hate in your heart. I've heard good things. Uh, well, okay, so that uh, uh, that all started. At least I think it started with the the. They said happy whatever. They were celebrating some holiday, but it was a picture of Meghan McCain grieving over her father's casket four years ago. I think it was the anniversary of John McCain's death is all they were. Okay, that was a little... People had opinions about that. That's fine. Then they followed up. (laughs) I don't know the full context for this, but the tweet said $6 million minimum wage or you're anti-Semitic. I saw that. Okay. Uh... You know, whether you find it funny or not, there's a lot of uh, edge coming out of that New Hampshire Libertarian Party account. Blue check state party, as far as I understand. I don't know what intern kid is running that Twitter account, but I love it. OK. Um, Boogeyman now and says and says, I doubt it. Thank you. And we haven't uh, checked. Uh, what the hell's I going on with that trial? I need to I check know. back on that. Um, Slosher, those ATF agents were the real life versions of the thought police meme. Looks like you've had a bit too much to think. Don't read books. Yeah. Reading too many books. Uh, Laurel, (laughs) my mat went to bed, so I'm here tonight without adult supervision. Hi, Laurel. Good to see you. Thank you, Laurel. Hope you guys are doing well. Jair King Hoff. (laughs) We're on to you, Jair. I know, I know. Uh, We role played. He was Gavin McInnes. I was the police. And boy, oh boy. Did he get raided? I came unexpectedly, seized his evidence, and took him away. The only awkward part was... I guess what I just have to say to you is, are you gay? You know, this is TMI, but I have also been having sensitive dreams about Gavin McInnes since (laughs) he put me in honorable mention for this this MILF thing. Oh, it really got you going. It must have. It happened (laughs) twice in one week. It was terrible. Walter Mellon, imagine the IRS comes to your house like that, uh, the ATF agent asking about how much... You made it your yard sale. Yeah. We're not that far off from that sort of thing. You're exactly right. It's a lot of people like to think, well, that guy had illegal gun parts. I would never do that. The point is the the premise or the premises for doing this sort of uh, uh, interrogation, if you'd like to call it that. They're expanding and they're expanding not by acts of Congress or any legitimate lawmaking authority. They're expanding by the whims of whatever these agencies want and however they'd like to interpret the law. I know. I know. I know. Uh, Donde 2K. Ultra mega extremist super cha- charge. I almost said super chat. Uh, Semi Fashimo uh, props to Nick. Take him out for a beer on me. Uh, yeah. If, well, I I don't want to uh, say too much and I don't intend to put anybody on the hook for anything, but it's possible that Nick might be willing to discuss at some point. I, I don't want to say that definitively he is or is not or that. Maybe I, I might be interested in hearing some more about this story. And the only reason I'm being very cautious, number one, I don't want to like create an obligation for somebody to do something they don't want to do. But I also do recognize, seriously speaking, how legally dicey this yes, is. And they I, will return. They will come back. I would hate to be as interested as I am in this story. I just would hate to be accidentally responsible for any negative legal outcome for somebody like that. So yeah. If, if, if there's an opportunity to talk about it, I just forgive me if I'm very wary about how I approach it. I just I would hate to be the avenue for some incriminating statement to be out there and for somebody to be further pursued by these people. Daniel Yeager, um, Judge Yonker is a Bush appointee. Yes, yes, hmm. he is. 
Holden Mulray. Someone recently commented that the university system is a parallel for the medieval Catholic Church um, with regard to power and influence. I wonder if the campuses will someday be as empty as the cathedrals. Hmm. Hmm. They'll get all Nigerian professors. Nobody will be able to understand their lectures. It's a, it's a deep cut from the show complaint a few weeks ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, that's right. Oh, it's, the, right on cue. It's Nick super chatting, actually. Oh, look at that. Hi, Matt and Blonde. This is Nick from the ATF video. Nick FL1776 on Discord. Thanks for bringing awareness to fellow 2A freedom-loving patriots. Support John Crump, GOA, and FPC. They spend every waking minute defending our rights. We love you guys. We love you too, and the ball's on you, dude. I, I hope that if I get into some legal trouble we love someday you. that I- You're very I, special. Stop playing sounders over me talking. So Sorry. Long. Carry on. Um, that I have that kind of um, clarity of thought and excellent delivery. Yeah. Uh, stern, but disciplined. That's what I appreciated about that. Uh, Nick, was, yeah. I, I, I did. Um, I did. I did hear from your lovely wife. That's how I came uh, into knowledge of the clip. Uh, if you want to send me an email or perhaps I can just follow up with your wife. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to. Uh, I'm interested in the facts of the matter, but I'd love to do what I can to help too. And um if I can do that in a way that uh, does not benefit these people in any way, I'm, I'm certainly interested in talking about it. So go ahead and send me an email if you're able to, or perhaps I'll email your wife later. Do you want to? Oh yeah, sure. Preston. This is this a trick one again? Preston. Ashen hurt. No, Did that's, I get tricked? That's, that's that one's real. No, you never know. That's the difficulty. I'm sorry. Hey, Preston. Dude, is your name a joke? <laughs> he's, he's probably like, but that's just my name. What the, what the hell's wrong with you guys? You got to be careful. I never know what I'm saying these days. Nothing Why like do my reading... friends think that they should text me during the podcast. You're watching the podcast. You know, <laughs> I can't answer this, James. God. Uh, nothing like reading books to demonstrate. Is that is that uh, that's not James Fields, is it? I know uh, you guys are tight, right? James Fields is texting me. I wish <laughs> break him out of jail. <laughs> nothing like reading books to demonstrate your extreme maganess. Yeah, it's a it's a uh, a, a semi fascist activity. That book book learning. Similar sentiments were tossed at me this week. Uh, start of a new school year. Super leftist professors. Please read all you want, people. The, again, just as a general principle, a society that uh, stigmatizes reading. And I get that not all reading is of equal value, but uh, just, you know, I, I don't want to say that reading itself should be frowned upon. If they if they say you shouldn't do it, it might be a good idea to get into it. Long Dong John says, Matt, I once built a gun. The second he attached his solvent trap to my barrel, the ATF kicked down his door and shot his dog. Those feds remind me of that UK meme police video. Yeah, I uh, well, I guess there was nothing to come of that, but that was the same thing. That case in the UK where a guy shared the meme, the pride flag swastika and got busted up by the police for what was what, what did they say? It was causing anxiety. He had caused anxiety to someone. State of the world causes me anxiety. They don't care. Yeah, uh, we don't get that same sort of protection. Chewy says, do you think it was the same YouTube Bangladeshi moderator that refused to ban Blonde's channel, who was also the same mod who throttled uh, Matt's channel from growing? Who knows? Maybe. Um, P.S. I went to college with the writer of 1917. I even asked her out. She said no. Really? Well, she sucks at writing, as we discussed. <laughs> yeah, this was a chick. That kind of makes sense. I thought the writer, or I guess the director was like, this was partly based on stories of his grandfather or great-grandfather from World War One. There's some family connection. It's not like it's a true story, strictly speaking, but it was supposedly based loosely on some sort of true event and stories from the time. 
anyway um yeah i i, I can never speculate i i youtube numbers what they are what they are i don't i don't bother chasing them because i have no idea what what the deal with them is i just like to make my stuff and carry on and thank you for allowing me to carry on doing it uh, one more for me here calm on the ground or calm calm on ground co-housing male and female prisoners violates the geneva code is that true i could believe it it makes sense i i believe it um phil conservatives will gripe about progressives using political power against them until they're facing the wall Politics is war by another means. It always has been, always will be. Not playing isn't an option. Phil's always singing my tune. We love you, Phil. I, I wish, well, I mean, as, as we discussed with Phil frequently, it's not, I, I can't honestly say that that's completely wrong. Um, I want to be left alone and I want to leave people alone. That's the ideal. But to Phil's point, what happens when there are people who refuse that offer, who refuse that yeah. deal? Well, then you, you either play by their terms or you die. Yeah. Um, I just don't want to go too far in those. T- at some point, it's like when we were talking, it's like what we were talking about with. Um, what was the movie that we just loved? Why can't I remember it? Falling down. Falling down. When you allow yourself too much moral flexibility, at some point you lose the ability to tell when you've become the bad guy. And I'm very wary of that. I'm not saying that you must, yeah. but but when you start bending moral rules, moral truth. That is the path to get there. And and that's really what I'm wary of. I just, I don't want to become the abuser in my quest to stop the abuse. It takes what about uh, the vengeance. What about the oh, desire for vengeance? What am I supposed said to anything do with about, that? About vengeance. That's uh, that's an X factor. Well, that's how you, that's how you lose um, the moral high ground. Well, as a general rule, I, I'm wary of vengeance as a value, too. I think justice is a, is a value, but vengeance is something else. I think vengeance... Sometimes justice and vengeance are the same thing. I suppose there's some alignment. I should probably think about exactly what the definitional distinction between them is. Um, justice, I suppose, would be uh, a commitment to a process to achieve that. Vengeance is, uh, at least my gut reaction as I'm thinking about this on the fly, vengeance to me is a much more of a by-any-means prospect. I don't know that uh, I'm willing to grant that premise. Anyway. Uh, Patrick Todd, yeah. friendly, lawyerly viewer here. In my opinion, once a case goes to jury, that should prevent any future retrials. Unfortunately, the Supreme Court disagrees with me. Okay. Okay. I should look into that because I I, I feel like a crazy person as a layman on this topic. I should read what the, the Supreme Court has said about it because it, it, to me, it does seem wrong too, but I, I'm not an expert on it. Uh, you're up, I think. Oh, uh, Preston is back. And says a hung jury basically means that the trial needs to be redone. It's the main plot point of 12 Angry Men. Uh, and it was a large concern at the OJ trial. It's not a uh, double jeopardy, though, by nature. Well, I see. I think it at least from my perspective, I think it kind of is. And maybe I'm missing something here. But when a jury gets all the facts fairly presented, all the instructions for how to evaluate the case and cannot agree on a conviction. To me, the, the government's burden of proof has not been met. That's what Correct. that means. Yeah. And I just don't think it's fair to bring the exact same case with the exact same facts and the exact same process twice because you weren't able to secure a conviction. That to me that's the spirit of the prohibition of double yeah. jeopardy. It violates the principle of double jeopardy. But again, this is my dumbass layman perspective. There's maybe there's something I'm missing here. And maybe the Supreme Court has explained it according to something I don't understand. Maybe it's a way to capture um errors within any given jury but then double jeopardy would just be allowed 
uh, error. What do you mean like, by errors um, within like the jury? Like a jury incompetence that no. uh, couldn't be prevented through jury selection. Hmm. Like but that also violates the the theory of like if you're jury. guilty, but the jury was just a bunch of morons incompetent to even serve. Yeah. I, I think it comes down to, or to if it's like they're indecision. If they're, they're yeah, they're indecision. A lot of this comes down to what is a greater injustice, the guilty going free or the innocent being punished. And I the am innocent much, being punished. I'm much more wary of that. So yeah, when I think about these concepts, I, I'm more friendly to towards systems that do have the possibility of um of the guilty being free as opposed to the innocent being being punished. Yeah. yeah. Uh let's see. Am I up? Am I good? Uh okay, so something weird has happened with the refresh, so I don't oh, know. Well, you I, just read one that was never on my screen. Oh, well, I have Thunderstorm up next. Okay. Do Thunderstorm um, and then I'll go. In case people wondered, the Azov Regiment rune is in the Wolf's Angel rune that was as a protection from wolves and danger. It was used around Europe outside towns and villages. Okay. Hmm. Thank you for the info. And I um I hope we didn't miss any chance. I don't think we did, but I'll remind everyone we we're using this new system. And uh, as we adjust to it, we may miss one here and there. If we do, uh, my apology, it's not our intent. And if uh, you feel violated, like we have violated the terms of the agreement, you can send me an email and I will uh, I will happily take care of your chat dispute with a full refund. Brom 39 up is down. Down is up. What a crazy world we live in. Yeah, every mm. day. It's weird. Nicholas H. I've been a fascist for a while. Sounds extreme. Bad optics. I'm henceforth a semi-fascist. The family-friendly branch of fascism. By the way, Matt, sack up on playing dirty. I don't want to be the bad guy. That's like if I've, if I want to fight for certain values, I feel a duty to uphold those values. Um, that's gay. <clears throat> that said, well, it's, it's like a self-defense situation. I don't I obviously don't want to shoot a person. Is there a circumstance in which I had to defensively, yeah. Susan, actually defensively? If I had to do it, someone raids my home and means to do harm to me or my family. I have to do what I have to do. But it's really hard to when you think about this, um, this concept, not in terms of defensive violence, but defensive tactics that are deemed to be kind of underhanded or even immoral, like propaganda, like we were talking about earlier. How do the principles of self-defense apply to propaganda? Can you self-defensively propagandize? Yeah. Is that what we're talking about? Mm. It's much harder to, to iron out. Sure can. Das Pooch, the idea of, well, then you'll be as dirty as them has always been such a cringy and borderline psychotic argument. Life is dirty. Fights for survival are dirty. Civilized people lose it. Get over it. Well, I, I can understand some of what you're saying there, but here's what I worry about. Like dirty tactics in response to dirty aggression. I get. But at what point are you employing the dirty tactics aggressively because you think that other person is dirty? You think they're a bad guy who would do this to you. So you do it to them preemptively. That is really where you start to cross over into being the actual bad guy. And I'm not I'm not saying that you have no lines there, Das Pooch. I'm just saying that without thinking yeah. about those lines, that is the risk. And and it's it's something that I think we have to be very careful about. Well, we, we know that's the risk. Um, you just better know the lines. That's all I'm saying. Phil, for the love of all that is good, we need to excise the cancer that is libertarianism for our thinking. <laughs> Unilaterally disarming in the face of an enemy is for suckers. Politics is war. Get used to it. Phil. I well, Phil you. has clearly not seen the the Twitter account of the New Hampshire Libertarian it's Party. Hilarious, because they'll convert him. I think. 
wicked um, asshole. Does anyone else remember when Joe Biden claimed that Trump was dangerous because he violated norms? That sure seems quaint <laughs> after the Mar-a-Lago invasion, student loan forgiveness, and NLRB firing. Yeah, we just kind of forget about uh, all the vaccine-mandated firings that were deemed to be unlawful after yeah. the fact. And as far as I'm aware, there's no recourse for those people. Sorry we booted you out of your job and didn't have the legal authority to do it. Tough. Oh, yeah, we just act like there are no problems there. Um, let's see. I haven't refreshed here. Matteo. Okay. Let's see. Oh, I have Jay Stewart. Did we get that one? <clears throat> no. Jay Stewart says the warrant was signed by a magistrate, which is an unelected, unappointed sub-judge. The judge appointing the special master is the supervising judge. Okay. Maybe I didn't understand those distinctions there. Thank you for clarifying because I I don't get I, – I, I'm not clear on what the role of that uh, – what's her name? Cannon versus Reinhardt. Those are the two judges as far as what their role in the case is. So thank you for clarifying because that's – not entirely clear to me. Uh, Matteo says, Christ is right. Normie persuasion uh, over. Oh, Chris, not Christ. I thought he was referring to Jesus. He's referring to <laughs> Charlie Christ. Normie persuasion over Matt. I wish we lived in that country we grew up in, but it's over. The right has to stop Mr. Rogers act or it's going to end up or it's going to go without a whimper. I respect their honesty of us. Well, to give as much credit to this kind of self. Well, actually, let me finish Matteo's thought here. I'm exhausted by all this uh myself guys this week but we need but in the end we need to be the victors uh blonde it's good however weaklings on the right uh being forced to stop normism or be eaten the le- uh, or be eaten by the leftist jackals now to give as much credit to this uh, more aggressive perspective as possible while i'm worrying about being overly aggressive ourselves I suppose it's fair to say you don't have to sit around speculating about what their intents or goals are when they're telling you, if you're not one of us, get the hell out of here. You're not, you're, <laughs> you got Kathy Ockel and the rest of the people or Chris saying, if you, if you're not hundred percent aligned with us, you have no place. I suppose you should believe them when they say something like that. Yeah. But then what's the action? Uh, well, um, I would, I would hope that you could, <laughs> the offer of leaving New York to live in Florida sounds good. It's just, will you leave us alone when we go to Florida? And the answer is no. No. So the action is, um, is returning political power to the states and localities through all available political means as I'm trying to advocate. But as those expire, then you have to, you have to do what you have to do to preserve your sovereignty. And if they don't respect it, then you say, okay, here's my sovereignty over here. Come and get yeah. it if you want it. Yeah. Dare them to, to do it and see what they do. Um, William Steer, the Fed used money stolen by the IRS to lend to lemmings attending their indoctrination centers. Now people are up in arms that the Feds are mismanaging their stolen funds. Yeah. That fair point. <laughs> oh, general grievance. Um, watching late, uh, but what the fuck, blonde? You didn't text Gavin. If there was one thing that would have got Matt to two forty three, it would have been an FBI raid live on air. Live on air. This is all on you. <laughs> We're, it's never going to happen for us. It's just not in the cards. Yeah, I need to. Uh, I need to ask for tips of how he achieved it. Yeah, really. Um, Bahena fam says I work sixteen hour shifts seven days a week. I average one hundred and twelve hour weeks. Wow. For two years to pay my and my wife's student debt. The money is one thing, but that time I'll never get back. That yeah. is painful. Man, well, I'm and sorry. You, you did the right thing. So they're making a sucker of you. Just mm-hmm. just like everybody else who chose to work hard and uh, actually honor the agreement that they made. And that's what it is. People hate being made a fool of. Yeah. 
But but that's and, really what that's and about. it's not it's not just the people who worked hard to meet their obligations as Behena Fam did. It's the people who said, no, you know what? None of this is for me. I think I'll opt out. No, now you're on the hook because you're yeah. a party to this debt too. Yep. Other Ridge Runner, forgiven debt is taxable under federal and most state income laws. That could be over 30% of the amount. Forgiven. Are you serious? <laughs> they're going to tax. So they're going to forgive the debt, but then tax it on top. Tax it. Great. Uh, enjoy that, everybody. But of course they would do that. That makes perfect sense. You're probably right. Good Lord, Matteo. Am I the only one since the beginning that warned of a sleazy guy named Kushner? I'm from New Jersey and his daddy and uncle went to jail here. Now father-in-law coincidence. Great pick of Vanka. Don suggested Tom Brady. Actually, I love you, Matteo. But the Kushner marriage was orchestrated by the Kushner and the Trump family. It was like an arranged marriage. No Tom Brady at all, you say? He, he jokingly suggested Tom oh. Brady. But um, it really was a un- like a like a royal level union of two power families. Evan hmm. M. Samuel Johnson said that in a learn learned age, leaders must be learned, and in a fa- uh, factitious age, leaders must be factitious. Um, Christ, Christ, and Hochul are proof that we're in a fictitious fictitious age. Politics isn't about making the best argument; it's about which side is stronger. That's true. Hmm. Um, Jenny Bath. I, 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 I'm bummed if that's true, but it's hard to say that it's way off base. I, I, I would like for the best connection with the truth, the best reason to win the day. But is that yeah. what actually wins over people in the end? Probably not as reliably as I would hope it would. Nope. Jenny Bath. Uh, Blonde, if you think people are incapable of self-governance, who do you think would be doing the governing? The government is made of the same people who are arguably more corrupt and incompetent than the average person. Yes, our modern government is. But like the hierarchy of college, only 5% of the most intelligent and com- competent people should even be going to college. It should like be like that for government. Okay. It's like Plato's I, Republic kind of thing. Like, yes. I don't even you know. agree with this mentality that like your average citizen is supposed to be um, a, a member of the government. That's not what I want. I want our our most intellectual elite. The philosopher kings. Yes. Yeah. Representative body. That That is what I want. Top 1%, top 0.5% um, as, a, as, a, as a leading body. I don't necessarily have... A- total problem with that philosophy as long as it's still decentralized that is to say i don't think that there is a a group of philosophers so elite they could run the united states top down i don't think that that level of wisdom or perfection exists now but is it possible that say if you wanted to adopt this on a state or a local level you decided that you value some sort of assessment of this elite talent over democratic methods of selecting a leader. Yes. Is it possible that it could succeed at a local, a more localized level? Sure. I don't, I don't think that that's completely implausible. I just don't want to do this. I don't want my problem with that thinking broad scale is that's how you get Fauci type people. Oh, he's it's this perception of elitism. And then he's on this, he's on this. There uh, needs to be, there needs to be some legitimate demonstration of intellect. I know, but who judges that? That's the trouble. Me. Okay, we've solved. Oh my gosh, we still have a bunch. We got to boogie through this. Um, It's already 8.30. Knuckle Honky Buck says, not a joke. I released some music yesterday on YouTube. Real Husband Fake Wife is the band name. It's not for everybody. I'm really proud of it. Check it out if you like indie music. Thank you, Knuckle Honky Buck. Maybe we will Mm -hmm. because you have been so funny that I will, um, I'll I'll throw you you a bone. Real Husband slash Fake Wife. 
Um, Robin D. Banks, you overestimate the feds, Blonde. The things I said work. For instance, if the empty HDD sections were wiped, what do the feds have to find there? Did they find it when Hillary did did it? Of course not. I, I bet they hmm. did find it when Hillary did it. Yeah, is that because they couldn't or because they didn't want to? This is, they didn't want to. Yeah, I think that they, they had all of those emails, right? Uh, they probably um, exist somewhere. I think that's fair to say. N-word faggot. Props to my girl Lesbo Pablacki for making the, be- <laughs> the beauty pageant chick who got the maps question sound like a fucking Shakespeare. Oh, yeah. Uh, she really is doing her part to undo all the damage that Thomas Sal and Clarence Thomas have done to jogging culture. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. <gasps> I don't want to oh, hear any more of these lies. Ma- I uh, do. Uh, Majorison, I'll, I'll take over. Majorison says, whenever someone asks what evidence I have that the U.S. is a dumpster fire, I'm just telling you that David Hogg is in, is in Harvard. It's true. That's it's fair. Like, Adam it destroys N- higher institutions. <laughs> Adam N says, supporting from Santa Monica, what are some of the larger U.S. cities to live in as a Republican? I hear Nashville may be one of them. Uh, depends what your definition of large city is, and I certainly would be no expert on that. Um, speaking with local personal knowledge, I would say Billings, Montana is a pretty good bet. That's a hundred thousand people. Does that count as a big city? I don't know, man. I, I like, as far as like cities in the South or the Midwest or Texas, I just don't know. I don't have experience in those places. I have more experience on the West coast, but there are no big cities on the West coast that are safe havens. Mm, that's true. Um, oh, it's your turn. Uh, Phil says if only Mormons were as based as the haters think they are, yeah, that's probably uh, I, that's part of the reason I don't buy any of these stories is true. The Mormons did not do this stuff. Peter says, Matt and I once redacted, then redacted and we redacted, but then redacted. He was redacted. Well, See, that's even worse than the explicit ones. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure uh, there's probably some truth to that. Eric Burns Marsh says, I agree with Le- uh, LeBron. The volleyball player should stay black. <laughs> Rachel from Spokane. Yeah, the, uh, being the Dolezal uh, woman. Yeah. <laughs> Mattio says, Gavin is a normie goof, but the Orwellian Turner Diaries Red Dawn times are sickening. Goons in black with guns wearing our U.S. flag breaking in to take podcasters away. 2022 equals scarier than dystopian novels. It's not looking good. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's not uh, looking good. Yeah. Thanks, Thank Manny, you, General Grievance. Just so we're clear, we get some big BS investigation on who a diary gets trafficked to. But when it comes to Epstein and Maxwell and, ax- and actual trafficking of children, not a damn thing. I yeah. know. Yeah, that's that's I fair. Know. More transparency on diary trafficking than trafficking of kids to Epstein Island. What a joke. Uh, Tony, you can eliminate all cyclists and rollerbladers from existence. But in exchange, Joe Biden will serve two Oof. full terms. Do you make the call or keep living with the rolling irritation? I got to go with um, second term. You would you would volunteer for a Biden second term or you're saying you get rid of that? No, no, I really hate cyclists. It's that bad, man. Yeah, it's it's maddening. On Wednesday, we were talking cyclists and rollerbladers, and I uh, I have no love for these enemies of the people. But I understand that the damage that they do to the country and the damage that they do to my neighborhood with their. Uh, flamboyancy on wheels. I'll try to put it as polite. I'm an accelerationist as though, so I want Biden to have a second term anyway. I don't think they're as damaging to the country as Joe Biden is. So I'm going <laughs> to fat hooligan. Take the cyclists uh, and the rollerbladers. Can't right. believe I'm saying it. 1917, a good movie, but you're right about the forced diversity. The director states as much in the director's commentary. Oh, it makes God. sense. It wasn't. I a didn't ton. even notice. What is wrong? It's not with like me? every other pregnant. soldier was a soldier of color, but it was enough that it's like, what are you doing here? 
What are you doing? Yeah. What, what is it? It's 1917 British Army. What are we talking about? Yeah, yeah. You, you were all white. Brom 39. Reminder, Daniel Defense never buy. What? Why not? What did the, the, They're getting... Daniel Defense is a AR manufacturer, and they made the rifle that the Uvalde shooter used, one of them, the one that he actually took into the building. But they're getting sued by the parents now, Remington style, like Sandy Hook style. But what did Daniel Defense do? Did they cave or did they settle or something? I didn't see. I must have missed something. I don't know. Let I have me, no I'll, idea. I'll look it up while you continue. Uh, Donde 2K, one of Reagan's favorite jokes about what a was it about a Democrat. F- one of Reagan's favorite favorite jokes was about a Democrat farmer whose oldest son turned Republican. Why? Well, what what is this? What is this meant to say? Help me out. Uh, okay, so why did the Democrat farmer? Why did the Democrat farmer's son turn Republican? Uh, well, he, oh, I think it's, he took to reading. He took, took to, to reading. reading. Yeah. Okay. It was a typo that made it hard to read this. Sorry, it says but. he too, too reading. <laughs> Preston yeah, Oxenhurt. Yeah. You're welcome to mispronounce my name all you want. No offense taken. Love the show. I'm just happy to listen live again after vacation in case anyone wants to know. Canadians are not nice. Oh no. They are so nice. I'm moving to Canada. It's okay. I loved it there. Good luck I with that. I loved it there. Justin Trudeau is going to find you unvaccinated and it's going to be over. Nah, I'll s- slit his pretty throat. <laughs> Defensively. Defensively. Uh, the Constitution seems pretty clear, nor shall any person be subject to the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb. Were they in jeopardy in the original trial? Yes. Should they go to trial again? No. That is a really compelling point yeah I, I don't see how i don't see a flaw in that so i'm gonna have to read what the supreme court has said about that because that just does not make sense to me and of course if you're looking for sense to be made you go straight to the geniuses at the supreme court who are constantly rolling out the sense hits genubath one of the things that i've been thinking about is at what point does bad parenting become abuse and therefore justified for the third parties to intervene on behalf of the yeah. child uh that's that's difficult with this gender thing that we have going on because I want to um, make it very difficult for the state to take people's children. However, I do believe that this gender transitioning thing is just straight up child abuse. Also, like uh, beating your kids. There's a line there um, where people, other people need to get involved. Das Pooch understood Matt, but there is a risk of lines to be crossed on every path, but be it preemptively or responsive, worrying too much about that leads to paralysis and defeat. Gotta risk it. Risk I think it there's, for the biscuit. I think there's truth to that. If again, if I'm going to think about this in a self-defense situation, it's certainly true that if you sit around too long debating the legitimacy of the force that you're about to apply at some point, it's too late and there's a bullet in you. Yeah, that's absolutely that's true. true. Um, but it, to me, it doesn't erase the moral necessity to make sure that when I point and when I pull that I am justified in doing that and that I am not aggressively targeting somebody else. Um, it's it's difficult. I, I'm not dismissing any of the points being made. I just don't want to I don't want to go rogue and become the bad guy. All right. That's all I'm trying to avoid. But I, points taken for sure. Um, Did I read an entire super chat saying fictitious when i meant to say factious oh i don't know i didn't notice i think i did my apologies factious is sort of a uh you it's an uncommon word but factious meaning like split into groups Factions. yes i i underestimated the super chatter and just thought that they typed fictitious mm. incorrectly our apology to the factious um, chatter 
a chim and a bow tie. Matt, you and Barnes are of one mind on double jeopardy. There is nothing stopping the state retrying indefinitely until they get their desired verdict. It's a massive flaw in the judicial system. I agree. I should ask Barnes about it. Um, Another thing I think about, remember when Binger was behaving bizarrely at the Rittenhouse trial and trying to admit excluded evidence and doing all sorts of ridiculous things? And the theory at the time was, is he trying to provoke a mistrial such that the, the state could bring it again? I kind of forgotten about that. But when I think about it in the context of this Whitmer thing, sometimes there could be a perverse incentive in that way too. Oh, this trial isn't going the way that I wanted it to because my interviewing of this witness or my cross-examination didn't go the way that I wanted it, whatever. Now I'm just going to, you know, throw a wrench into it and say, oopsie mistrial looks like we'll have to try again. That is a way in which the system can absolutely be abused in an intentional way that clearly violates the spirit of double jeopardy. That seems like a, a massive flaw too. Now that, that's not what happened in the Rittenhouse trial, but it was a theory of what Binger was trying to do. It was clearly what he was trying to do. Hmm. Um, Brom 39, never support a company that supports law enforcement. Well, did Daniel defense do something for the cops? Is that what, uh, cause I, I did, I did search and I didn't see any updates in the Daniel defense Uvalde story. But uh, I don't know what they may or may not. Have. I, I don't know what the specific accusation you're leveling is. So I'll have to. And last one is Matteo. You guys watch any of the Trevor Summers trial in Florida? Please watch left flipped out over Sixth Amendment rights to hmm. represent and his face and face his accuser mid trial. I like seeing defendants represent themselves. I no, I'm not. What I'm is not that even about? Thing. I can look really quick. I'm unfamiliar with this. Uh, it's a kidnapping trial. Florida man on trial for rape of ex-wife fires lawyer and cross-examines victim. So he did the cross-exam himself in court. Wow. That might be uh, worth checking out. I don't know anything about the case, though. Um, It looks like we're good. Okay. Uh, I think we're all set on DLive as well. Yeah, we are. Thank you guys for uh, hanging out there tonight. Appreciate it. Uh, Appreciate everybody's chats and your jokes and your uh, catching us up with the facts where we miss them. Appreciate that. Uh, and of course, just everybody hanging out, watching live tonight and chatting and having fun. Appreciate you as well. And if you're listening later on demand, thank you kindly as well for supporting the show. If you're looking for more to listen to, if you can't get enough, there is more material over on the audio platforms. Uh, extra material you may not find on YouTube, some of Blonde's interviews, some extra appearances I've done, all sorts of extra stuff. The Wednesday call-in show replays linked in the description and over on the website that's mattchristensenmedia.com speaking of everything show related is over on the website movie reviews merch find the latest episode of the show just get in touch mattchristensenmedia.com is how you do all of those things we'll be back next sunday because if it's sunday sorry chuck todd it is not meet the press it is the matt and blonde show have a great night Try